Today's date is April 24th, 2018. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we are here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. For those of you unfamiliar with the show, this is your weekly comic book podcast where Emery and I, and perhaps a guest, Go through the latest news, the new comic book releases from your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. And discuss some topics for your amusement about the world of comic books. If that sounds like a good time, be sure to hit like and subscribe on our YouTube channel and rate well elsewhere. It really does help us out. You can always find us on YouTube, on Stitcher, and on iTunes. And be sure to check out our website, htbvids.com where you can find all the links to all of these things as well as plenty of written content and lists on the homepage. Um, first order of news, I want to uh, apologize for last week's episode. We had a ton of rendering issues with uh, Adobe Premiere, which is what I use to render the MP3 for the podcast and the, the, the MP4 for the video. Because we're not allowed to use <laughs> anything else. <laughs> uh, yeah, they really muscle you into it, so... Uh, uh, unfortunately, we had the issues and we had the delays. Um, the, the podcast came out on time, but for whatever reason, when it uploaded to the feed burner page, which we use for our RSS feed, um, it it got broken off. So the the full thing is on there, but it's like muted after like the fifty four minute point. Yeah. Uh, so I re-uploaded it. It updated on iTunes, but it didn't update on Stitcher yet. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm giving it another 24 hours before I just tried deleting it and then re-uploading something else and seeing if that fixes it. Um, but apologies for our Stitcher fans out there. It, it, it's it's just out of my hands. It, <laughs> I have no idea. A little bit. Yeah. I have no idea why that episode did that. And thanks to our previous guest uh, Seth Grover who pointed it out to us and <laughs> yes, uh, helped me get on it right away. So apologies, we were out a little late. Um, we're filming this episode the day before <laughs> we're supposed to put it out, so we you might get it on Thursday, but we will be out uh, or later on on Wednesday night uh, because it does take several hours to render, several hours to edit, several hours to upload to YouTube. Uh, thankfully, not that long to upload to Stitcher and iTunes, which is why that usually comes out a little bit earlier than the the YouTube video. But oh yeah. For our fans out there, I apologize for last week. We're catching back up, and we should be good to go. <laughs> After if, this one. If not this one, the very next one, we should be back on schedule and everything. Oh, yeah. So, uh, thank you for your patience. Let's get into it. Emery, what have you been reading? Uh, well, I actually got myself a little bit more caught up on some issues of Green Lantern. Specifically, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Ah, the most boring of the Green Lanterns. <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. <laughs> they tend to pad their stuff with a whole lot of nonsensical action when all they really need to do is just be, you know, space police slash space military. And <laughs> it was pretty. It was very pretty, but it was dumb. Damn. It was real dumb. Unfortunately, that's most of the Hal Jordan storylines. <laughs> pretty, well-drawn, some likable characters, but in the end, just dumb. 
didn't make sense. Kyle Ka- needs his own book. <laughs> Kyle had his own book. He did. And then Convergence happened. <sighs> his book was great. <laughs> New Guardians was amazing, and you need to all read it. Y- yeah. Like, yeah. anyone who says Hal is just a better Green Lantern can shut the hell up. <laughs> Hal is the worst Green Lantern. You might hate Guy Gardner. <laughs> but, but he's, he's still more interesting than Hal Jordan. <laughs> John Stewart, who's basically the Cyclops of that inter- How dare you? intergalactic version of X-Men. Cyclops is a douche. John Stewart <laughs> is the fucking best <laughs> Green Lantern. All right. Notice I didn't say White Lantern. Uh, d- d- the d- best d- Green Lantern. Right. Uh, uh, he's a very good commander. He, he like he is a very good a rallier of his troops. Like he he is very good at what he does. But in my eyes what he does is basically the same thing that Cyclops does for the X-Men. Fuck around with everybody's girlfriends? <laughs> no. <laughs> Turn into a homicidal maniac that basically adopts Magneto's thought process. Okay, that was only because they had a shit writer. Right, right, right. <laughs> Excuses. 90 Cyclops was the best Cyclops. <laughs> yellow undies and all. You damn right yellow <laughs> undies and all. <laughs> I did like that outfit way more than the giant X across his head now. <sighs> oh, Why no, can't that... he just have a visor? It... Why does it have to be a giant X? Oh, he does. Again, as a child. <sighs> Thank you, champions. That's unnecessary. <laughs> so what else have you been reading? Um, I actually just got done reading Mr. Miracle number eight. As did I. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I understand. Mitch Gerard's just had a baby. And he's drawing kind of what he's experiencing right now, short of the whole, you know, fighting a war in a foreign land. As we'd imagine. Yeah. Um, but you you guys have four issues left to, like, get to the point. <laughs> I don't mind the, like, baby stuff. I just wish the, the, the whole plot would finally do something. I've been saying this since like issue four. Like, all right, we're get, you're playing the mystique a little too long now. Like, we only have a few issues left. Let's get to the point because these these issues, while they're like visually interesting and like I get that he's dropping clues everywhere, like they're about nothing essentially. Every issue feels like it's about nothing, right? And it's it's starting to drag on. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, as much as I love this book, especially last year when it first began, like I'm I'm just starting to. Lose interest. Lose interest. Yeah, yeah. I, I need something to happen, and there's a. I think there's a two month delay right now between the issue we just read and the next one, uh, because I think they're doing a skip month. Uh, uh, so yeah, I I think so. Well, not only am I losing interest, but now there's delays to make me lose even more interest. And I, I right. This is something that's once it's finally finished is probably going to be lauded as some kind of masterpiece. Even. I sure hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm starting to fear there's not a point to all of this. Uh, right. And we're just going to get some vague an- ending that doesn't answer anything. It's like, wh- whatever you do, Tom King, stick to your guns. Please stick to your <laughs> guns. I don't care how long it takes. I would rather get a late good product 
than a rushed bad product. Yeah, well, that you got plenty of delays, so no. nothing, <laughs> certainly not being rushed. Uh, better be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else for you? Um, well, that uh, brings me to what I've been reading, and um, well, there has been some pretty good ones for me this week. Hmm. Um, I read Highest House number three, which is the IDW book I recommended, I think, a week ago. Oh, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. really, really fun book. Really good book. Uh, great art inside. Uh, fun story premise, if not a little familiar. Um, yeah. Or at least it's becoming a little familiar as time goes on. There's kind of the an, an Aladdin <laughs> type aesthetic starting to happen in there that wasn't in the, the first two issues. Interesting. Um, but it, it, it still comes full circle and it works, uh, which is great. Uh, the dialogue is fun. Uh, the writing is great. The art direction is great. The 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 overarching story is very interesting. Um, and I I if you want like a cool, fun, if not a little dark, fantasy story in comic form, I think this is your go to right now. No, Highest House okay. number three from IDW. It's it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. Huh. Um, I f- picked up uh, the latest Aquaman. Aquaman number thirty five. Um, very happy to see that uh, Federici is back. Hey, <laughs> because issue thirty-four was rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the art for issue thirty-four was very jarring because uh, if you haven't seen, I think episode twenty-nine. Yeah, uh, we finally went back and did <laughs> the content match the drape segment for all of the Aquaman's that we had given awards to, which meant I had to catch up on. 34 issues of Aquaman <laughs> plus Mario Queen of Atlantis. <laughs> and uh, oh, <laughs> that was that was a lot of <laughs> catching up to do. Yeah. Um, but Dan Abnett's been doing the current story arc and it is really good. It is phenomenal. Um, and I think a big reason why it's being executed so well is because of the contributions of Stepan Sajic, who did the first portion of the arc, and uh, Ricardo Federici, who has been doing the second portion of the story arc. <clears throat> and both are very, very like detail-oriented kind of paint artists. Um, uh, I've talked about this before, but I love Step and Sage's work above probably anybody else in the industry right now. Maybe, maybe Santa Takeda might be a little higher there, but I think uh, Step and Sage does f- amazing art, and his characters are so expressive and fun. Um, I think Federici does a very, like, very well detailed and uh, very kind of, uh, I don't want to say stoic, but regal kind of art style where it's, yeah. it's it's a very respectable like story tale you know book aesthetic uh <laughs> the way he does it very detailed but just everybody's bigger than life and you know like i don't know it's it's very fitting for the story uh but i do miss Stepan Sajic's art and the storyline because i built these characters in my mind according to Stepan Sajic's expression and now that i have Federici's expression it's a little bit over the top for me, a little too like, oh, a little too, uh, little toity, toity. Yeah, a little too regal, which is fine because the story is very Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones esque, um, and it, it fits the aesthetic of what's going on in the book. But mm-hmm. um, 
court uh, intrigue and uh, military yeah. uh, conquest and all that. Yeah. And they had a guest artist come on for issue 34, and it was it was rough. It was real rough. Like, it wasn't bad art. It just wasn't nearly as intricate or detailed or expressive or clear as Federici <laughs> or wow. Stepan Sajic. Like, it was... It was like if you took, you know, some like pillar of artwork, like say Monstrous Number One from Santa Takeda, yeah, and then issue two, you brought on the person that does Cave Carson has an interstellar eye <laughs> for a very serious and weighty story. You would be like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? You know, the whole aesthetic change. Not that Cave Carson has bad art, but it's a very, very different aesthetic. <laughs> uh, and and li- not like Stepan Sajic to Federici. I mean, like, drastically <laughs> different. And, you know, um, it was just very jarring. And 35, thankfully, did not continue with the guest artist. Uh, Federici is <laughs> back on the book. I'm not a big fan of the cover. I think the cover looks a little too much like 34, <laughs> where it's just too busy and not very... I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't show on the page um very well, but the internal art is again phenomenal like the previous Federici work in the book and it continues the story along in a way that's very intriguing and very cool. Ooh, and, uh, nice. I, I I was a little disappointed with one character in, in particular. If you're familiar with the story, and I, I I very much recommend you go pick up the story. I understand like issues 1 through 20 are a little rough because of the art style and the kind of hokey dialogue. But once Dan Abnett really kicks things into gear with Stepan Sajic, you can just pick up from that story arc and pretty much gather what's happened and really enjoy it. Um, so I would recommend from like issue 20, on, issue 20 up onward. to the current issue, which is 35. Uh, definitely read it. It is the best Aquaman story I've ever read. Oh, and that, and that, that includes Thrones of Atlantis, which is previously in my favorite st- story arc for aquaman so that is high praise it is really great um so v- highly recommend uh aquaman number 35 and basically 20 through 33 <laughs> uh you 34 you need a little bit of the context to know what's going on in 35 but yeah. Eh. That art is so rough. <laughs> it is so it is so jarring and it might scare you away from the it, reading further to finish the story arc. You consider know? skipping issue thirty-four. But yeah, thirty thirty-five is you know in the middle of the climax of the whole story arc, so it's really getting Ooh. intense now. It's very good. Oh. Uh another book I picked up, uh one I mentioned, Cave Carson has an interstellar eye. Oh shit. Um Issue number two. Now, this is a book that we gave the cover of the week for the, the the first issue. Yeah. Picked it up, not expecting anything, and fell in love with this book. <laughs> um, issue number two, not quite as great, <laughs> because it was hard to touch the first issue's greatness. Oh, uh, yeah. But still pretty great. And it's it's all fed by the dialogue and the characters and the, the humor. It's, it's really fun. Um, and finally, I read uh, Skyward from Image Comics, number one. Not to be confused with the Action Labs comic Skyward, which is a fantasy story. Um, <clears throat> Skyward is its a book about a world where, for some reason, um, the Earth just kind of loses gravity. Or what they call extremely low gravity. And basically uh-huh. what happens <clears throat> is if a force pushes you up, 
you don't stop. And you're gone. So, yeah, you're gone. (laughs) So most people are living in areas with plenty of things to grab onto or, you know, something. And they carry air tanks on their back to try to, you know. Jet themselves back. Point themselves in the right direction. Everybody can basically fly. But (laughs) uh, there's, there's some rough stuff that goes along with it. And uh, the story focuses on this girl. Uh, her father seemed to be a scientist who knew this was happening, but couldn't really prove it until it until it happened. Ab- uh, actually happened. And you basically follow her 20 years uh, after the event occurred when she's an adult. And she's basically like this deliverer, you know, <laughs> delivery boy, girl, whatever you want to call her, um, <clears throat> who goes around the city, you know, delivering <laughs> packages and... Uh, uh, it, it introduces some fun like physics ideas in the book. Uh, one including a firearm. Um, <clears throat> Interesting. It's it's a fun book. The art is really nice, um, unique, <laughs> <laughs> an idea that doesn't really make a whole lot of physical sense, but it, it, it's cool. <laughs> it's visually fun. Um, so look out for that book. We're hopefully going to get more explanations in issue two. Uh, based on the, the cliffhanger at the end, but I I would say pick it up, have a good time. It's a number one, so it's probably going to be collectible at some point. Oh yeah, yeah, gotta have to check that out. But yeah, that's everything I read. Uh, I don't think we had any did the content master drapes books this week, so we can just not get yet. on right into the news. All right, uh, not a lot of news this week, but there is some big news. First of all, obviously, Avengers: Infinity War is here. Oh shit! Comes out Thursday, two days from us. Probably the day of yeah. uh, when you're hearing this. Um, we're going to review it, obviously. Of course. I don't know when. <laughs> Probably very soon, but yeah. We, we will find a way to get it done. I, I will find a way to get it get it done for both <laughs> of us this fucking weekend. But yeah, that, look out for that review because we're probably going to watch it, review it, and talk about it. Um uh, yeah, I'm just I'm excited. I am excited, but also I I am ready to be the one person who doesn't sing its praises. Wow. You know, how dare you? How dare I? How dare you, <laughs> sir? <laughs> no, I'm I'm just saying, you know, we've been at this for 10 years. And, you know, the thing with Marvel movies is that they've somehow managed to bottle the entirety that is the illusion of the first time. There's something about that uh, that first screening that always just, like, easily makes things missable. Yes. You, like, can easily gloss over things. It just is. Just because, like, it seems like such an event (laughs) it's definitely one of the disney traits things especially with the hype machine and the whole like controversy with like reviewers get if you give them a bad score or something or what they interpret as less than amazing oh yeah they will take away your press passes and everything which means you basically no longer have a job and you get laid off because (laughs) disney won't invite you to any of their premieres or any of their interviews we only want positivity in our reviews yeah so no objectivity as as much gripe as we give uh, the DCEU, um, 
I, I do have to say Disney has some kind of gross practices, and I think a lot of the movies get way more credit than they deserve. Yeah, and we have the, a, the, like, on the business end. There's some. They're not the best. They have clear and present issues, <laughs> and probably too much power. And but, they justify yeah. it by making movies that we all really just want to eat right up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's been some movies that were well-deserved of the hype. Spider-Man Homecoming, Black Panther, and some that absolutely were not. Thor Ragnarok, Star Wars Last Jedi. Um, so I feel like this movie, I mean, it has a long run time, so I'm sure it'll be able to give everybody a little bit of the limelight, at least as much as you would expect. But there's such a huge cast here, and it's only getting larger because they're introducing more characters in the movie. This uh, is from from what I hear. This is a heavy movie. Yeah, <laughs> and the, I don't know if everybody's going to get the screen time that they need to flesh out an actual story that you care about. Uh, from what I hear, the heroes aren't going to be the focus this time around. Uh, Thanos is going to be the focus. Yeah, and his minions. <laughs> Thanos and his Black Order, or his Death Children, or his Harbingers of Doom, or what the hell ever you want to fucking call these weird people no I've cares. never heard of before. I, just, <laughs> I, I gotta get this off my chest. I am unabashedly a DC fanboy. Mm-hmm. I am apologetic of many DC things. Not the DCEU, mind you. <laughs> I'm not one of those guys, but... Like of, the, of, the part of DC that people care about. Um, but... Uh, I have just, Thanos has always been the biggest joke to me. His <laughs> o- his whole life's mission is to have sex with Lady Death, who is just fucking bones. <laughs> like, he, everything he does is just to get in her skeleton pants. <laughs> like, there's other fucking pussy out there, all right? And probably not as dry as that one. Oh! Right, okay. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay, to be fair... That's such a stupid incentive to kill half the universe. Oh, I want this big love so I can kill half the universe so Lady Death will come and have sex with me. Like, no one cares! To be fair, he's not called the reasonable titan. (laughs) (sighs) It's so dumb. (laughs) So dumb. It's such a dumb incentive. Like, I feel like if you want a good... Like very intimidating villain, you need like a good reason for that person <laughs> to be an intimidating villain, and I feel like Thanos is that's where he falls the shortest, and I'm, probably a lot of Marvel's villains, if we're honest, that don't include X Men characters. Um, this is why we bought Fox <laughs> <laughs> because we need Magneto. <laughs> but I feel like Thanos is the most obvious, you know, like, like Dark Side's reason you know dc's big purple guy uh his reason for being is you know because he's the fucking devil (laughs) i I, I, yeah i I basically want to bring suffering to everybody i want the you know life equation anti-life equation so i can do whatever the hell i want unopposed by these other gods that are always getting in my way you know like okay power dominance like very basic like expected villainous reasons but at least it's a reason that i can like comprehend i i don't see why you need to kill half the universe just to have sex with lady death <laughs> it just, i hope they don't go with that backstory because i'm going to be very very uh unapologetically mocking <laughs> uh, uh, fu- of this movie if that's the case Ugh, we'll see 
I, I am excited for it. I, I I'm excited to see the final arc to see what yeah. what like this whole buildup was for. It, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, so that part I am excited about, but uh, uh, Thanos is just hard, such a hard sell for me, and I feel <laughs> like it's it's really is going to be so like character packed that nobody's going to really matter <laughs> uh, or shine through. Um, in other news, you can look forward to Josh Brolin also playing Cable <laughs> uh, the the following month. <laughs> yeah, very close now. Very, very close. That one I'm much more excited about. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> it, it, is, it the, the, is it the, the teabag? Uh, it, it was everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love how they're going Terminator with everything. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they're they just totally blatantly went... mocking everybody, including <laughs> Thanos. <laughs> like, I just, I love it. <laughs> this totally has a, like, uh, what if we took the Terminator 2 story and put it in the X-Men universe? Yeah. Uh, our Ooh. next topic of news... Uh, Jack Kirby's Eternals are apparently in development for an MCU movie. Kevin Feige has announced it is in development, but has not yet been fully greenlit. Are you familiar with Eternals? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm roughly familiar I with them. I think they're just the like interstellar you know, galactic yeah powers that be yeah as far as i know the eternals are basically the marvel new gods yeah it's just you know soap opera in space (laughs) yeah super powered people basically Um, like i don't care about space marvel now i care about space marvel (laughs) uh and our final piece of news because there's no delays this week oh (gasps) wow we made it a whole week oh man (laughs) no delays announced or cancellations yet Uh, (laughs) <laughs> the new Venom movie has received a new full-fledged trailer, this time actually featuring Venom. <laughs> now, now that we've seen him and how this movie is going to apparently progress, what do you think? I think I'd be more excited if I didn't know going in that I was only going to get five minutes of it. <laughs> it looks like what's going to happen is they are going to have him absorb the symbiote while he's sneaking around as a reporter and then he's just going to kind of develop these powers while the evil corporation or whatever it is is hunting him down, but he's not going to actually wear the fucking costume or the suit or the the symbiote. He's just going to become what is it? A prototype? Is that the game <laughs> where he just like has like all these different like gooey formations shooting out of his body for purposes? <laughs> That's the sound I'm gonna make every time he summons a tentacle. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's <laughs> he became. He became Alex Mercer from fucking Prototype. Uh, it's yeah. <laughs> I'm very convinced that that's going to be 99% of the movie and there's going to be one scene somewhere near the end where he actually wears the full get up and it, and he says the one line that everyone's going to this movie to see. We are Venom. Yeah. Now, positives I did like that they're actually adapting the external 
personality of the symbiote with him. Yes. And the symbiote is referring to them as we instead of just I or you, yeah, which the, is very cool. And I thought the voice was creepy. I thought it was done pr- it, fairly well. The, the um, goop having its own personality was a must yeah. for this movie even being considered watchable. Yeah. So I'm I, I'm very hopeful for that reason and that reason alone that maybe the story won't be as boring and generic as I expect it, uh, even if he's not in costume the whole time. Um I don't know. This is the part where it loses me. Apparently, it's still not confirmed whether or not Tom Holland is going to be showing up in this movie. They said he was, but they they keep going back on it and being like, well, no, well, maybe. Well, we'll see if we can fit him in. What? What tell what that tells me is that the Marvel Cinematic Universe people are like, ooh, this movie's gonna be bad. <laughs> we better not touch this. <laughs> uh, no, you can't. You can't. You can't put him in there anymore. <laughs> we can't allow this. Uh, um, yeah. So that scares me a little bit. Uh, uh, a lot. <laughs> so what of what we saw of the Venom full head? What the head wh- and the tongue? What were your impressions what did you think do you think it's okay that he they went with the full teeth um i mean to be fair even though the 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 over (laughs) the slid on like a nasty hoodie yeah (laughs) even though that's clearly cg it almost looks like the face itself was prosthetic like the teeth look pretty physically real Maybe it was just really good CG, but I thought it stood out really drastically when the tongue comes out because the tongue looks very CG, but the teeth and the face looked like some kind of prosthetic. Which it, it looks like they had probably had uh, like a venom face or head <laughs> uh, modeled yeah. and fashioned so that they would have like a reference point for like how we're gonna make this weird-ass mouth move and kind of have lips weirdly. Sure. And then, like, bare the teeth, like, 90% of the five minutes that he's gonna be there. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, it looked like a prosthetic. It yeah. looked like a... It, it looks very well done. It looked like I could actually touch his face. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to. And we always champion like practical effects, especially yes. on DCU's side because yes. holy shit, they just drown everything in terrible, like generic CG and it looks awful. <laughs> I, I if they are using practical effects, and I hope they are, uh, I applaud them. And I I I don't know how I feel about the look itself. I don't know if going with like the full teeth and jaw were the right answer for a live action movie, but I didn't hate it. Like I didn't dislike it. I don't know. Yeah. I I still have mixed feelings on it. I'm going to say it's better than what they saddled Topher Grace with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In Spider-Man three. Oh my God. And the thing that always frustrates me with these venom live action incarnations is that they always feel the need to show the actor's face. I don't need to see Topher Grace's face. I don't need to see Tom Hardy's face. I can I can live with just the Venom face. That's more than acceptable. Right. Just have him voice it over. I don't care. It'll probably be cheaper for you. See, I don't I think the villain looks really generic and boring. I hate the whole like corporate espionage uh, thing. What you know? villain? Like, All I saw is businessman who sends people to shoot him. Corporate douche. 
it's that that's not going to be like the villain villain. The villain is going to be all of those other sad saps that are also saddled with a symbiote because we're there's no way we're doing a venom movie where he's the only symbiote well there were two tubs of goo i will remind you two tubs i saw two tubs of goo in the trailer you they had better not fuck up carnage there is (laughs) damn it you ruined it (laughs) i was gonna say there's one way that they could possibly save this movie is if everything we saw is just like the first like third of the movie, and then like the other two are him as Venom dealing with Carnage, that would be amazing. That would be fucking spectacular. But I don't think it's gonna happen. It's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And that, my friends, is the news. This just in: local comic book shops are wondering what books are we hitting up this week. Well, Emery, I thought you'd never ask. First up from Marvel Comics, we have all-new Wolverine, number 34, which appears to star Dakin. We have Avengers, number 690. (laughs) Oh, man, so many variants. We have Doctor Strange, number 389, another Damnation tie-in. Get hyped. Uh, We have Doctor Strange, Damnation, number 4. Get hyped. We have Exiles, number two, with the weird mini Wolverine thing. Do not get hyped. (laughs) We have Hunt for Wolverine, number one. Get even less hyped. (laughs) Well, at least Logan will be back, and not old Logan from other universe. Uh, (laughs) Next up, (laughs) we have Invincible Iron Man, number 599. We have Legion, number four. Ooh. We have Lockjaw, number three. We have Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur featuring some Fantastic Four members, number 30. We have Moon Knight, number 194. We have Old Man Hawkeye, <laughs> number four. I went a little high on that one. Uh, <clears throat> only a little. Uh, which is a good book. You should be reading it. Uh, we have Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 303. Next up, we have Spider-Gwen, number 31. We have Star Wars, Darth Vader, number 15, with Aqua Vader. <laughs> Well-drawn cover. Uh, we have Star Wars, Dr. Afra number 19, for you fucking nerds. <laughs> we have uh, Thanos Annual, number one. We have The Despicable Deadpool, number 299. We have The Mighty Thor, number 706. Not looking so mighty there. Yep. Uh, we have Venom, number 165. We have Venomized, number four. Because of oh, course, no. Of course <laughs> we do. Uh, we have X-Men Blue, number 26. And that is Marvel. From DC Comics, we have Batgirl, number 22. I hate that costume so much. <laughs> it's the worst. <sighs> Uh, we have Batman Beyond, number 19. We have Batman and the Signal, finally out, number three. But it's bad, so probably don't read it. Uh, we have Detective Comics, number 979. We have Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 43. We have Hellblazer, number 21. Oh, my God. We have Imaginary Fiends, number six. Get hyped. 
Get hyped. I need to catch up on that, though. We have Justice League of America, number 29. Finally, the main <laughs> man is not on the Justice League of America for no reason. <laughs> um, we have Mara, Queen of Atlantis, number three, which is another Dan Abnett book uh, based on his current Aquaman story arc and was pretty good from the first two issues I read. So We have Mother Panic, Gotham AD, number two, the very cool cover. We have... Raven, Daughter of Darkness, number four. Another one I need to catch up on. We have Scooby-Doo Team-Up, number 37. We have a good book here. Silencer, number four. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I need to get caught up on that one. I think I missed the last issue, so I might have to read number three before I get into number four. Uh, we have Suicide Squad, number 40. We have Teen Titans, number 19. We have The Demon, Hell is Earth, number six. We have The Flash, number 45. We have The Terrifics, which is the DC Fantastic Four ripoff using old DC characters and one new one. Uh, <laughs> but it's pretty fun. It's pretty pretty good writing. We have Titans Annual, number two. We have Trinity, number 22. And finally, we have Wonder Woman, number 45. From Image Comics, we have Cyber Force, number two. We have Days of Hate, number four. We have Gasolina, number seven. We have Hit Girl, number three. We have Ice Cream Man, number four, which is a very Stephen King-esque book. Real Uh, creepy, that one. We have Kill or Be Killed, number 18. We have Redneck, number 12. We have Regression, number nine. We have Sacred Creatures, number six. We have Saga, number 51. Still going strong. We have Savage Dragon, number 233. We have Sun Bakery, number five. It's the first I'm hearing of that book. We have The Dying and the Dead, number nine. We have They're Not Like Us, number 17. And apparently number 18? That can't be right. Are they releasing two books at the same time? That would be weird. Well, it says on the solicitations from our great resource, freshcomics.us. I always forget to mention you guys. Um, they're not a, They're not like us, number 17 and number 18. We have Throwaways, number 13. We have Witchblade, number 5. Get hyped. Oh, yeah. Good book. And that wraps up Image. From Dynamite. We have BSG versus BSG number four. Bears eat beets. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) We have Jeepers Creepers number one. (laughs) We have Kiss and the Army of Darkness number three. Also, if you have not seen the Kiss fan... At the Foo Fighters concert video, <laughs> you need to watch that video because it, <laughs> it is awesome. And I hope it's not a stage thing. He claims it's not a stage thing, but it feels like a stage thing just because it worked out so well. <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty awesome. So check out that video. Oh, Type yeah. in Kiss Guy Foo Fighters concert. <laughs> You'll find. We have Pathfinder Spiral of Bones number two for you fucking nerds. Your board game. Hey, you watch it. <laughs> You're about to release a second edition. 
<laughs> oh, wonderful. That's <laughs> <laughs> you, you damn right. Um, we have Sheena, number eight, if you like jungle boobs. Who doesn't like jungle boobs? And that wraps up Dynamite. From Boom Studios, we have Abbott, number four. We have... Damn, those covers are so good. I am so scared can't to actually co- get caught up on that book. Why can't the content be as good? <laughs> uh, we have, it looks amazing on the outside. <laughs> we have Adventure Time, number 75. We have Big Trouble in Little China, Old Man Jack, number eight. You know what Jack always says? Ah, hell. <laughs> Next up, we have Grass Kings, number 14. We have Labyrinth, Coronation, number three. Oh, wow. Dance, magic, dance. <laughs> jump, magic, jump. We have Lucas Stand, Inner Demons, number three. We have Lumberjanes, number 49. We have Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, 2018 Annual, number one. It's Morphin Time! Mastodon! Ebola! <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> We have Rugrats number seven. Uh, okay, let let's go back for just a second. You are the you are the worst. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I bet you don't. <laughs> and that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Again, please support your local comic book shops and digital devices this week. Now it's time to hand out the prestigious, nay, life changing award of cover and variant cover of the week. <gasps> First up, our cover of the week goes to Marvel's Doctor Strange, number 389, drawn by Michael Del Mundo. Ah. Now, this one is a very uh, fun play on the kind of usual suspects uh, movie yes. <laughs> poster there. Very famous scene where they're in the lineup together. Um, the question is, which one is Kaiser fucking Soze? <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Ah! <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a really fun play on on uh, that whole dynamic um, from the usual suspects into this very, very great and fun event with uh, Doctor Strange Damnation, yeah. uh, which we all recommend you read. Um, I'm guessing that next week this is going to match the drapes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the content will the, match the drapes because... The likelihood is very high. The book has been great overall so far. And this is just another great cover from the series. So, um, just a very well done story. I mean, even if you take away the kind of play that is occurring with the the movie poster and the kind of a, a maybe nostalgia we're <laughs> being influenced by a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's just a great comic. I mean, the 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 art is drawn really well. The the colors play nice together. Um, there's no like out of place, you know, texture design or you know. Uh, aesthetic. I like how the the name is integrated in with the kind of like tree tentacle thing that's going on there. Yeah, um, I really enjoy it. Um, I do have some criticisms, but it's not of the art itself. It's not Michael Del Mundo's art. It is Marvel's choice to put the giant red banner over the top of the art, uh, blocking some of the art, and obviously the massive barcode and the digital first content thing at the very bottom of the artwork covering yeah. up the bottom you know portions of the bottom we say this all the time put the barcode on the back you don't yes, need it please um, i do appreciate that they're 
denoting that this is part of the damnation arc because that is another criticism we often have where they have these big overarching stories from several different titles but there's no real indication where to start or where to stop and which books you need to get and which ones you don't um i do appreciate that they at least put something on there indicating that it's part of the storyline but i think they did it in a really obnoxious and kind of useless way because we already know it's a tie-in based on the content of the cover art. Right. And there's it, no numbering or anything to indicate where in the story arc it is. Right. You know, where but, in the timeline of the story it is. That is a very valid criticism. I think the, the biggest problem with their entire approach to pointing out that this is a damnation tie-in is that we, for some reason have forgotten that the point of the cover artist is to convey what you can expect from the inside of the comic. Yeah. So, uh, again, not the artist's fault. It is the just the Marvel format right now. Right. We don't need the barcode on the front. We, you don't need the big digital content inside stamp. We all know it's there. Um, if you want to put that there, put it on the back with a barcode. You know, you're going to turn it over to check out anyway. Right. Nope, they'll see it. Um, the I do appreciate that it's indicated that it's part of the Damnation arc, but maybe instead of having a big red banner, maybe use that space more appropriately, make it a little more subtle, and put some kind of numbering system that this is, you know, part six of the overarching 24 parts in all of these different books. And, you know, right. that would be much more manageable and much less alienating for your fans and much better for your artists because then they can receive the credit they're due because people can appreciate the art that's on the page. It also, it doesn't really help that you have this title called Doctor Strange that has Damnation in small print, and then you have the book called Damnation that also has Doctor Strange in small print. No. It's more than a little confusing, most likely, for the person who would be trying to jump in to this amazing story. Sure. So, again, Michael Del Mundo, you did a great job. The art is fantastic. We really love the cover, and it's a great play on a great classic movie trailer. Oh, yeah. Poster, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> scene. Uh, wh- whichever word you want to use. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I really enjoy it, just like I really enjoy the storytelling of the damnation story arc so big congratulations to michael del mundo uh most likely next week we'll tell you did the content match the drapes based on writer donnie cates and illustrator nico henrichon h-e-n-r-i-c-h-o-n i probably butchered your name i apologize now to hand out the prestigious nay life-changing award a variant cover of the week <gasps> this week the variant cover is awarded to Images, Hit Girl, number three, Hamner cover. This one done by Coley Hamner. And this is just a big old bloody boot in your face. (laughs) Um, Jim Lee would be so proud. It perfectly encapsulates what you'd expect from a Hit Girl book and from a Hit Girl cover. (laughs) Uh, Um, Yes. We've had our criticisms of the current incarnation of Kick-Ass, but the Hit Girl book was still very fun and very cool, and we're really enjoying that that book there so um i don't know and like jim lee i'm a sucker for a well-drawn boot (laughs) and and boot in your face aesthetics um yeah 
Anything but the Liefeld feet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the uh, weird dolphin fins. <laughs> the pointy flippers that everybody gets. All boots are pointy when it comes to Liefeld. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a, a great, great cover by Coley Hamner. Uh, I really love the color. I really love the aesthetic. I love the whole maniacal grin that Hit Girl has on her face as she's knocking some poor individual's teeth out. <laughs> um, I would never say that she's knocking some poor individual's teeth out. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, I want to believe they deserve it. But Hit Girl might be a little insane. A little bit. <laughs> a little yeah, bit. a little bit. Yeah. I mean, she's working with a trained assassin that she freed by killing a bunch of cops. <laughs> So, get some help. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she needs a uh, big daddy back in her life oh, to steer her clear of such actions. Too bad he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, okay, too bad he's like dead dead and thankfully not Marvel dead, yeah. which means he'll be back in a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is a great cover. I mean, I would love to have this and hang it on my wall. I mean, this is... I I would frame this happily and have it displayed proudly throughout that, my home. That it's just it feels like comics at its finest. And it also reminds us that this is an image book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you would not see this probably on a DC title or a Marvel title. Hell no. At least not on the one of the main covers there. So uh really, really great artwork. Uh thank you again to Coley Hamner uh and Michael Del Mundo for creating Wonderful pieces of art for us to enjoy. You have won our cover and variant cover awards of the week, and most likely we will tell the, the good people whether the content matched the drapes next week, although I suspect because we've already established both of these books, um, it's probably good. Oh, yeah. You can probably rest assured it matches the drapes. <laughs> um, and for our new friends out there, this is the part of the show where we each discuss a topic of our choosing about the world of comic books. Emery, I thought this week uh, might be a good week to just go over the whole kind of Marvel Cinematic Universe in preparation for Thursday night. It's a very good time to have a bit of a Marvel retrospective. So, uh, first one, uh, it's not really credited because a lot of people just ignore it, but there was the first Hulk movie in the timeline that came out early, mid-2000s. Uh, oh. I believe that Actually, that pre, pre Edward Norton, but it established it, the world that Edward Norton's version of the Hulk exists in. That's correct. So it is that, technically part of the timeline, even though we kind of ignore a lot of it. <laughs> yes, and thankfully so, because <laughs> that movie was bonkers. But it had an awesome track from Velvet Revolver, and that's all you need to know. <laughs> uh, basically, Hulk gets his powers through the radioactive experiment, gamma, gamma radiation, blah, 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 nonsense that usually happens in comic books. Yeah. And then you have a really boring movie. And then at, <laughs> then at the end, the cool part happens where he turns into Hulk and throws tanks at people uh, while being backed by some Velvet Revolver songs. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's about all you need to know. Uh, yeah. And then he's yeah. depressed and goes into hiding. So depressed that he actually turns into a better actor. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get into what is generally recognized as the first Marvel movie, which, again, I did not realize that this one predated The Incredible Hulk, but it does. Yeah. Iron Man 
Came out in 2008, as did The Incredible Hulk, but came out first. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was the other way around. (laughs) (laughs) But Iron Man came first. And in this movie, um, again, spoilers, but you you should have seen this fucking movie by now. Yeah. Um, Robert Downey Jr.'s version of Iron Man is a very uh, kind of gross, (laughs) wealthy individual that does not care about his business actions or anything and just sells to the highest bidder. Uh, primarily weapons. Wow. That's a very scathing comment about basically the 1%. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, he is involved in some terrorist actions and uh, while imprisoned, gains his new Iron Man suit. <laughs> uh, but basically, he breaks out by creating his new uh, mega suit, and the scientist saved his life by putting this like magnet thing generator in his chest, uh, which keeps the, the, shrapnel. the shrapnel from killing him. Yeah. Uh, which we later forget about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because we just want him to have that cool thing in his chest. But we're introduced to the Robert Downey Jr. version of Iron Man that we all know and love as Tony Stark. Good. And he fights the big, dumb, bald man in a replica metal suit. I, and I um, keep forgetting that Jeff Bridges was in like the first Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he did stuff. Um, <laughs> but then you have the big ending with uh, Tony Stark announcing he's Iron Man to the public unexpectedly and unabashedly. And basically tells anybody to come and get him. Probably not the best idea, but you know. Yeah. That was a bold move for like the very first Marvel movie. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially oh. when you're surrounded by like the Nolan verse Batman movies that are going on that are very serious and very Yeah, they, like very much about like keeping your identity yeah, protected. They're very dedicated to the whole silly like subplot that is Batman, you know. <laughs> the s- super rich dude who is the only human being on the planet that can afford to do what he does. <laughs> but nobody somehow knows. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um uh, for commentary on that, read Batman White Knight. <laughs> while, while the first Iron Man movie is good, really good overall, I think it's that punchy ending that really sold it and left you with that good feeling. And yeah. that, that's what set the precedent, I think, of all the Marvel movies, where even if they kind of get a little sluggish or they're not quite as good as you'd like, the ending always punches you in the gut and tells you, no, it was great. Now walk out of the theater and tell everybody. You know, <laughs> uh, It gets you that one hype moment at the end to get you excited and you move out. They kind of do that with every Marvel they movie. They really do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, nah, fuck that boring stuff. Get hype. <laughs> so then we go into The Incredible Hulk, um, this one featuring Edward Norton um as the new Hulk. <laughs> y- yes. Um, this one is a little bit more fun than the first one but i wouldn't say necessarily better i would uh, say it's a lot more fun i mean the, the i'm whole, not gonna say it's a better movie the whole part where the this the new super soldier who goes up <laughs> to fight the hulk and he's talking <laughs> shit to his face and like oh you're nothing i can jump all over the place and slap you in the face with my dick and, and, like, and then gets and, kicked once yeah it gets kicked once and has every bone in his body broken as he's smashed into a tree that's very uh, very marvel that was a great scene <laughs> uh and probably second favorite hulk scene of all time uh 
yeah, I think I actually like that better than when they actually bring the abomination out. Yeah, abomination's kind of boring, big, dumb CG monster. Right. Uh, which we see again in the DCEU. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, Incredible Hulk gets more flack than it probably deserves, and I don't think it was that bad a movie, but I think it was Not, just, it yeah. wasn't up to the standard that Iron Man had set, right? nor the Nolan trilogy was setting at the time. It did, honestly, the best that I think could have been done with trying to bring back the Incredible Hulk in a movie format. Yeah. Uh, with that said, I'm really disappointed that we never got to see the leader show up. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he was teased at the end. Yeah. So just one of those threads that Marvel kind of let float away. <laughs> uh, like, there's there's a handful of them throughout like, the series. Maybe we'll get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, next up uh, in 2010. Wow. I didn't realize there was such a gap. Yeah. In 2010, we get Iron Man 2. I mean, we, now we live in a world where we get three or four movies a year. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was surprising. It took two years to get another one. Like it, it was two years to get another Marvel movie. But that first year of Marvel movies did already have two of them the same year, which was like, yeah, holy shit! Wow, the balls on these guys, eh? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, Iron Man two comes out in two thousand ten. Now, um, I think people. I think there's a little bit of revisionist history going on with Iron Man 2. I think people liked it a lot more when it came out before they actually thought about what was going on in the movie. And I think yeah. I think that there's been some kind of revision after the fact where everybody looks back to it as like, that movie really wasn't that good. There's <laughs> a lot of issues. Uh, the biggest problem is Don Cheadle taking over. Oh! Uh, <laughs> I don't like Don Cheadle in this role. I like Don Cheadle as an actor, I don't like him in this role, but it, it that, just, that's just my personal gripe. It just hurt because we were all looking forward to Terrence Howard killing putting, it. Yeah, putting on that suit. Hell yeah. But, you uh, get it, Terrence. Yeah, Terrence wanted more money, wanted more attention. Probably fairly. Probably <laughs> Based fairly. on what Robert Downey Jr. was being paid, uh, and nobody else was, but... Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then again... Robert Downey Jr. is the cornerstone of this universe, and without <laughs> like, him, a lot of it falls apart real quick. Oh, <laughs> all thanks to one snarky asshole. <laughs> thanks, Marvel. Uh, yeah, this was the movie where, like, we're already seeing that it doesn't matter what we think is right. Marvel's gonna do what the fuck it wants. Yeah. Yeah. But basically the movie plot uh you you come into Iron Man after he's announced that he's Iron Man um and there's uh, another generic business white dude <laughs> that's making things go wrong and trying to steal his technology because his his weaponized iron suits suck um and when Rhodey steals one uh it doesn't work very well it was I I thought it was very humble for Sam Rockwell to be the guy who's like douchier than Tony Stark somehow, which is a fucking feat to behold. It's, it's like if you took Tony Stark and turned him into Napoleon. Ooh, <laughs> and that's he's who like, this guy is. He's Maybe like, not as brilliant, but Napoleon. Yeah, Tony is the douche you like. Justin Hammer is the douche you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did like, though, um, uh, Whiplash. 
Whiplash. Uh, I feel criminally like, un- underused. Exactly. I think that's my biggest problem with the movie. Uh, I can ignore all the other like silliness, um, including Don Cheadle, um, <laughs> but I think he was the most interesting part of that movie and could have been a very cool long-term Marvel villain. Uh, but unfortunately, he's just like, even though he's pushed in all the advertising in the actual movie itself, much like Iron Man 3, oh. uh, he doesn't really do a whole lot. Oh. Uh, and he's really not <laughs> critical to the story whatsoever. Uh, he's more of like a catalyst or like an acting point than he is like an actual like antagonist. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's as bad as people remember. I, d- I, I don't think it's a great movie by any means, uh, but I think it's fine. It's definitely it's, not as bad as the third one. If, I mean, if we're comparing it to the whole Marvel pantheon, yes, it's at the bottom of the, the list, you know, somewhere in those bottom four or five movies. But I I think there's a little bit too much revisionist history going on with that movie. I don't think it was as bad as people would make it out to be. Eh, I mean, <laughs> Marvel keeps... Uh, in a lot of ways, reaching for a higher bar, not necessarily getting it all the time, but they yeah. keep reaching. They try, and I I can respect trying. <laughs> <laughs> DCU, on the other hand, ride the lightning. <laughs> 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 we need that. De- we need that Marvel money. <laughs> Reshoots. Reshoots. Shazam. <laughs> Yeah, there's some lightning to ride for you. Oh, God. (laughs) That's going to be so bad. Please don't be bad, but it's going to be bad. (laughs) Um, Next up in 2011, again, (laughs) these movies are going slowly. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a pre... This is pre-Disney. I think think so. I think think that might be the biggest reason. I think it was like right after Disney purchases right before Avengers, right? Yeah. Yeah. so we get Thor in 2011. This one introduces Thor and is the first movie that I commend with making me give a shit about a character I previously did not. <laughs> um, I hate Thor in the comic books. I think he's corny and stupid, and I hate the way he speaks. I think <laughs> he has... He Yay, oft- verily. Yeah, he often has good storylines surrounding his character and Asgard and all this stuff, even if they're a little inconsistent. Um, yeah. But I, I just don't like the character itself, and I think it's just too corny and goofy and just sometimes OP and sometimes not powered enough. <laughs> like, it's very <laughs> Given who he is. He's a very inconsistent character, and I just... He, she, I should say, uh, because it is female from time to time. Um, but I just... I don't... I just never cared about Thor. And Chris Hensworth, is that the right one? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Got a lot of Chris's in this universe now. I mix up the Hemsworths from Liam and Chris uh, from time to time. I try not to. But uh, Chris Hemsworth succeeded in making me give a shit about Thor. And I think the the Marvel Studios did a great job in making him likable. I think this is another movie that maybe gets a little bit too much revisionist history. You know, looking back in 2020 vision with the full spectrum of Marvel, where people give it gripes for being boring and like depowering a very strong villain. Um, I think those 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 criticisms are valid, um, but I think it was a fun enough movie, and it made enough sense, and it introduces Loki. So, I, I will go on record to say that it was half of a really good movie. 
And the other half was Cat Dennings going meow meow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get me wrong. I don't hate Cat Dennings. Actually, think she's hot. But besides the point, she should not have been in this fucking movie. Let alone been given lines to belittle Thor's hammer. What? I'm going to be real honest with you. I forgot she was even in that movie. <laughs> now, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I have fond memories of it. And I, that's what I'm working with. Oh, my God. See, that, that that's unfortunately the part that I try to forget and can't <laughs> every time I think of that movie. So, the basic plot of this movie, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Thor gets in trouble with his dad for starting a feud with the the ice giants. Yeah. Um, he gets sent to Earth as a punishment uh, without his powers, essentially. Um, still has guardians, so he still has probably the super strength and whatnot, but he doesn't have the hammer with him anymore and all that, all that jazz. Yeah. Uh, or at least he can't pick it up. And um, Loki is kind of behind the scenes, messing around, doing his thing. and um, Because that's... All he does. He meets some people. I don't remember. Is it like Arizona or something where they are? Somewhere in the desert. (laughs) It's in New Mexico. (laughs) Yeah. Somewhere random. Um, And they have kind of like a Roswell-esque thing going on with his hammer, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, But we we see Thor kind of learn the ways of normal people who aren't fucking gods uh, and kind of grounds him a little bit which is probably what his father odin intended um he gets some character growth he gets a girlfriend uh he messes with the evil lady who wants to use his powers or whatever um i don't remember how it got there but then the big like asgardian weapon thing i don't remember what it's called right the big suit of armor that's supposed to be super powerful but in this movie it's just like it yeah he has a head laser yeah uh he's basically black manta and armor (laughs) (laughs) instead of like the cosmic power that he's supposed to be I digress. Yes. Uh, I think Thor is the first movie we see one of the Infinity Stones. Am I miscorrect in that one? You were correct. Towards the end, we see the box, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, The Tesseract that actually becomes much more prevalent in the following movie. Yeah. Captain America First Avenger is honestly out of the first phase of Marvel, still my favorite. See, that's impressive to me because I, I didn't care about it, though. I thought it was way better than it had any right to be. And again, like Thor, Captain America, a character I never gave a shit about, ever. Never cared. He was corny. He was douchey. I didn't care about him. Um, and I always thought it was funny that he was the Aryan archetype, <laughs> but was somehow always fighting Nazis. I thought the Bucky introduction was a little goofy. And uh, while it did obviously set up for later good movies with Bucky. Yeah. Uh, I thought like the whole like oh, he's there. He's in a goofy outfit. Oh, he fell off the train. He's dead. <laughs> I thought that was really silly. Captain America First Avenger. I know you love it. Um I liked it far more than it had any right to be liked by me. Uh just based on my tastes, but I think it was done well. I I thought it was very appropriate how they made him kind of like a a Bonds like <laughs> character to go around and he just like at one point just gets fed up with it and <laughs> wants to go and check the front and save his his buddy 
and just, basically him having a, I want to be a real hero. Yeah, and becomes the actual hero we know and see today. Right. Uh, which means his serum didn't go to waste. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think it was very interesting how propaganda, not only did this movie feel, but it felt very much that the director, whoever was doing this movie, knew that straight up and played all the way into it. Yeah, and did it really well. Oh, um, yeah. I don't think Red Skull was really interesting. I, maybe you liked him more. I thought he he was... I think... I thought Captain America was the only thing that was interesting in that movie. I, I think that Red Skull was much like uh, what happened with Whiplash. I think he was criminally underused. You think so? Yeah, I, I think... The reveal of him being the Red Skull and like it not just being Hugo weaving with this weird line across the outline of his face <laughs> conveniently. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that that reveal came way too late. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but basically, he does his thing in World War II, fights the Red Skull, um, and that's where he has the Infinity Stone, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, what is referred to as the Tesseract. The Tesseract, yes, of course. Uh, which eventually which I keep calling the Cosmic Cube because why isn't everyone calling it the Cosmic Cube? Uh, until it eventually grows its own consciousness as a little girl and turns <laughs> Captain America into a Nazi. No! <laughs> Secret Empire. <laughs> I hate you, Cosmic Cube. You're the worst. <laughs> uh, but then the, the movie ends, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, it is this movie where you see him first enter into the present, right? Yes. Yeah, he's frozen. It, and it's then at the very end of the, the movie. The end of the movie. He's thawed out, uh, however they did it. And he... Magic. He basically has the Austin Powers uh, <laughs> scene where he's got a pee and all, all that other stuff. And, um, he's a man out of time. Yeah. Um, uh, and he's kind of shocked by what's going on in the present, and it basically sets up for uh, him to be introduced to the Avengers in yeah. one of the following movies. Uh, or the following movie. Yeah. <laughs> now that I look at my timeline. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's solid movie. I think people remember it pretty fondly. Um, I, I think you like it a lot more than I did, but th- I also have the disadvantage of not really caring about Captain America uh, ironically, yeah. I'm wearing the shirt, but uh, <laughs> that's just because the Blue Jackets rule. Yeah. Even when yeah. they lose the yeah. first round of the playoffs every year. Columbus Pride. <laughs> just like my Bengals. <laughs> <sighs> it hurts every time. Why do I like sports? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, it, solid movie sets up for what's to come in Avengers. Yeah. Yeah, if, if, if I've learned anything, it's that uh, Captain America movies... Uh, are probably the ones that are the most consistently good out of all of the like character trilogies. Yeah, I'd I'd say you're right. Yeah, there's definitely the highest plateau. I'd say. Yeah, where things don't really go too much lower than this, and you know maybe they don't reach the same heights as other individual movies, but they certainly maintain a high bar. Um. And that brings us to the final movie of Phase 1. Ooh. Marvel's Avengers in 2012. We finally get to see the team together. Um, so I was very, very impressed. Um, the, the movie I still remember pretty fondly, and it has my single favorite 
Hulk scene uh, with Loki. Oh, the, yeah. The whole puny god scene <laughs> uh, where Loki's rant, ranting at him and then he just grabs him, doesn't say a word, just smash, 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 smash. <laughs> 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 it, was, uh, <laughs> it was a great scene. What the a payoff w- for which would come much, much later. Yeah, what a great scene. <laughs> um, that was that was the movie event heard around the fucking world. <laughs> and this is the movie where I believe we see the first version of Thanos, right? Yes. He's not in any e- extra credit scenes later or earlier, right? Uh, he's in the... Like mid credits, uh, post movie scene where all you get is like a little bit of grin and, and some turn, side face. Turns the face, yeah. Where I think I was like the only one in the theater where I saw it. Where it was like, oh my god, they're doing Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I saw, it, I was like, oh my god, they're doing Thanos. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's, <laughs> clearly we had is... some different uh, interpretations there. But I've warmed up to him since, just because Josh Brolin's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, Avengers. Avengers, uh, yes. Bas- basic plot, Loki has gotten into contact with Thanos and has basically become his minion via the, uh, is it the Tesseract that he's using? I don't remember which one yes. he's using. Uh, well, I always get the mixed up, which ones well, well, were placed it, where. Uh, the Tesseract was the thing that he used in order to bring basically that uh off-brand alien phantom menace yeah which there's a reason why i call them the phantom menace because (laughs) they go out like punk pitches sure do right at the end sure do Um, so the whole first half of the movie which i think is probably the meat and potatoes of the quality of the movie yeah is just the Avengers actually being assembled by so Nick Fury. <laughs> Don't say his name three times. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But Nick Fury uh, basically forces these idiots to get together. Uh, they have some uh, not totally artificial kind of gripes with each other. Gripes, you know, Tony Stark being the dickhead that he can be, and um, <laughs> Thor being the kind of bullheaded demigod he is, mm. uh, and. Captain America playing goody old two shoes. Stop. I do have one big gripe with this movie though, and it's the Captain America's suit. They <laughs> they went. Oh, with... you mean his Captain Puerto Rico flag that he's yeah, wearing? Yeah, <laughs> they went with the super bright and like goofy looking Captain America suit, and they forced him to wear the helmet the whole time, and it just looks really goofy. And like everybody else looks like they belong in this universe, but he's the one that just looks like a cartoon character. <laughs> um, they, they force him to wear it right up until it gets damaged. It's like, oh, thank God, I can take it off. Yeah, <laughs> they update his costume in the following movies thank god but uh, <laughs> that movie i was like oh my god they went full like goofy with it and i maybe it was just for the the image for when they're spinning the camera around him it was definitely for that image it's uh, like you gotta have captain america with his head thing on yeah, for that shot yeah but uh i enjoyed the movie i like how like uh characters like uh captain america develop a kind of newfound respect for Tony Stark, based on his willing to sacrifice himself to save everybody, right? Um, which that, previously he did not. Yeah, um, th- that was an issue where he, th- he made it out to be like 
I am smarter than every situation. And by the end of the movie, no, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he realizes he's very human. And yeah, it's he, very... He, he rides a he rides a nuke into outer space. He very literally <laughs> comes down to Earth. Um, <laughs> Why not? So big key points that matter going forward in this film. You're we're introduced that to a uh, galactic threat that is Thanos. Um, even if the audience may not know it's Thanos yet. Um, Loki is taken into custody after getting his ass beat by the Hulk. Um, Tony Stark has his near-death experience, which apparently is was way more traumatic than the first one, where <laughs> he was blown up and should have died, but... I digress. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, that one, he just kind of fell through the air and got caught. <laughs> but um, it's a good thing the Hulk was there. Uh, the government was willing to nuke uh, Manhattan. We don't really talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we kind of glossed over that for a while. And um, I think that's all, all the important things that happened in that movie, really. <laughs> <laughs> the team know each other now and don't totally hate each other. Uh, and that's about the most important development of the film. Yeah, that <laughs> it kind of takes uh, a weirdly kind of Watchmen approach, whereas like instead of uniting the entire world, you're in uniting the uh, the cast of characters that you care about mm-hmm. around this alien menace. And so begins phase two. Phase two. Phase two starts off with Iron Man 3 in 2013. And like we said, those threads, eh, sometimes we introduce them and then we forget about them. Um, Tony Stark is dealing with the shell shock of his Manhattan experience and another near-death experience. Apparently this is the one that pushed him over the edge. Um but then he talks to a little boy, and he forgets all about it for the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, right. <laughs> so Iron Man 3, I think, is correctly remembered for being probably one of the worst, if not the worst, in the bunch. Um, I don't think there's any revisionist history on this one. Um, it's pepper- Robert Downey Jr. is the, the, the cornerstone of this universe. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and to his credit, he was still the only good part of the film. Um, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. But uh, we got more War Machine roadie via Cheadle, <laughs> who, again, I just don't like him in that role. Um, we got way too much Pepper Potts. We got another switcheroo. You never saw it coming uh, with the Mandarin. <laughs> who ended up just being, spoiler, it's pretty old now, uh, an actor. Hey. And was replaced by another generic white business guy, who for some reason that's never really explained has big, like, fire powers and can somehow transmit his power into another human being uh, Uh, via Pepper Potts. it's, It's nanomachines. Nano machines, <laughs> Metal Gear. Um, yeah, the the entire crux of the, the opposing force in Iron Man Three is 
This guy's developed uh, technology that you don't have to wear on the outside. It's just it's just inside you this whole time. Oh, right. It's experimental. We we might have forgotten to mention that to the people we were experimenting on. Oh yeah, it was real dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um so we have all of these threads. None of them are really taken care of. Yeah. Um, we wasted Ben Kingsley, another potential really great villain who ended up becoming nothing yet again. Because we uh, didn't have the balls to commit to the Mandarin. <laughs> like I, I don't begrudge them for having that kind of spin where there was some kind of actor who was a front but I don't like that it was just another generic business guy <laughs> with business reasons for doing what he's doing. And it's just generic white middle-aged business guy. Woo! Woo! Clearly uh, he's the worst. I just didn't care. <laughs> I didn't it was care. weak. I didn't care at all. It was, um, it was weak as fuck. Yeah, and to be fair, the Mandarin... And its original incarnation is very difficult to do <laughs> and should probably not be done. <laughs> and Iron Man shows that he has six million different suits. and um, Because that's all he does anymore is he, he tinkers. And the thing that should matter in this movie, at the end he declares that he's not going to be Iron Man anymore. <laughs> uh, he deals with his traumatic stress. He has a surgery to get the thing removed from his, the shrapnel and the little power box removed from his chest. So now the thing he has is just for his own convenience. It's not like built or it shouldn't be built into him. Uh, although I don't think that's really true now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he announces that Iron Man will not return. And then immediately... You get a little thing in the credits that says... Iron Man will return. Iron Man will return. And <laughs> like, what was the point of any of that? <laughs> and I wouldn't give it so much shit if they just completely forgot about everything. Everything that happens in the movie. They don't elaborate on Pepper Potts having these ridiculous powers uh, ever again. Even when she does come back. Spoilers in a recent movie. Yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, in fact, they just kind of get rid of her because of finances uh, for a few movies. Um, yeah. Yeah, they do. Robert Downey Jr. never has any kind of shell shock whatsoever, again, or just, any issues like, arising from it. Completely gets over it. Um, Take that, armed forces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he destroys all the suits at the end of the movie. But they're all there again <laughs> uh, the next time he makes an appearance uh, without explanation for why he donned the suit again or anything. Uh, yeah. He's just part of the team, as usual. And he's got all of his extra suits and extra hand armor and every it's stupid like thing he, you could imagine. Yeah, the, <coughs> the theme of Tony Stark is won't stop, can't stop. <laughs> but without explanation. Every single thing that he does that could have had weight in Iron Man 3 is completely forgotten and thrown out the window like it never even happened. Okay, here's the explanation as to why he comes back with anything at all, let alone another fucking suit. He's rich. He's bored. 
<laughs> Fine, tell me that. <laughs> Don't just <laughs> have him swear off everything and then have the surgery and everything in this big epic like end monologue thing, and then l- go directly into all the other movies without any kind of <laughs> like ties for the ends of these threads that are all just waving in the wind. And also, don't tell me Iron Man's going to be back when you just told me Iron Man's not going to be back. <laughs> um, next up, uh, Thor The Dark World came out in 2013 also. Um, I think most people think it was a weak movie. Um, it's I don't even remember what the actual plot was. I, The Dark Elves wanted to do something malicious and cross over into the Earth Realm. And do things for they, reasons. They had been awakened, and now they sought revenge yeah. on the Asgardians who had been responsible for their sleep. And oh my God, uh, we get no one—literally, no one cared. Yeah, um, there. The story doesn't really matter that much. Um, the movie's fun. It only introduces the, one important thing. Stone. Yep. Yep. Um, I, the, the story, I mean, the, the movie wasn't bad. It just didn't do anything really for me. Um, and that's saying something because I like the first Thor movie a lot, and I like Chris Hemsworth. Um, Loki, uh, I guess the main key points, you get the Infinity Stone via the Dark Elves. Um you have Loki reintroduced into the world because he fakes his death. Uh, <laughs> again. After he becomes buddy-buddy with his brother again. Um, Spoiler alert. He fakes his death. <laughs> again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you think they would learn. Um, Second verse, same as the first. Um. Uh, I like the ending of that movie. I like the brother team up and doing their thing and the whole, ah, I'm dead. I'm totally not dead. <laughs> um, uh, I think that's the second Infinity Stone we see on screen, right? I don't think we saw any other ones besides the Tesseract up to that point. Technically, it's the third. Because while the Tesseract was an Infinity Stone, the stone inside the Loki scepter was also an infinity stone. Was that not the Tesseract? No, no. The so Thanos gave him that one? Is that what happened? How I th- think so, okay. yeah. Uh, the Tesseract was used to make the portal. The stone that was on the scepter is what Black Widow used to stop the Tesseract. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the, the Thor Dark World, Dark Elves, they looked cool, didn't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. Um, final scene was kind of fun. Up to that point, it was really boring, I thought. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think the characters were as fun, like, as far as dialogue went as the first Thor movie. Uh, it, it just, tried too hard. Just overall, it's just too much, like, pseudoscience nonsense that you had to bite into <laughs> and... Like, 
because we can't just go the magic route yeah, until mean, we get to Doctor Strange, and then we can go the magic yeah, route. Like we have to ground everything in science for these fucking oh. Norse gods and dark elves and stuff. It's a little, it hurts. It's a little silly. Um, but overall, again, not a bad movie, just kind of a forgettable movie. Yeah. Um, but yes, Thor, you know that Loki is on the loose again, and you know that there's a third Infinity Stone on screen now. Those are the big things. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure that's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really don't need to talk about that one anymore. <laughs> Next up, we have Captain America, the Winter Soldier, um, in 2014. Uh, this movie's great. I would go as far as to say that it's still Marvel's best. I wouldn't go that far at all. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, okay. But it's pretty good. It, it, it's a solid movie with great chore- choreography and just fun stuff. Spider-Man's better. Spider-Man is better. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 is better. Uh, How dare you? <laughs> How dare you, sir? I, look, I liked Guardians of the Galaxy but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that Guardians of the Galaxy has more plot holes than Captain America: Winter Soldier. How dare you, sir? <laughs> that movie is pristine from beginning to end. <laughs> I know nothing of what you speak of. <laughs> uh, it, d- again, don't get me wrong. I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack makes up for a lot. Of that movie. <laughs> There's no making up for anything. It's a great movie. <laughs> and you will cease this <laughs> slanderous discussion <laughs> of the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Second uh, one. No, that's bad. First one. Amazing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Captain America Winter Soldier, uh, basic concept. It's The first half is focused around Captain America dealing with Bucky being now this Russian assassin and trying to kind of track his friend down and bring him back, essentially. Um, Meanwhile, Bucky as Winter Soldier is doing what he's been programmed to do, uh, which is... To destabilize the nation. Destabilize America and (laughs) kill anybody in his way, Um, which he does... Pretty successfully. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I- including basically defuncting S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and removing S.H.I.E.L.D. as a factor altogether. Yeah. The the spy organization to end all spy organizations was undone by one unfrozen caveman from the <laughs> 40s. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, guys. Um <laughs> This is also the, the, the first movie where we establish that Hydra is in the present day. Yes, um, which is they important. survived. Yeah, they're around. They're in places of power uh, all around the country um, and within S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. To a lesser extent. Um, we see that S.H.I.E.L.D. has a huge fleet of airships that they probably shouldn't have <laughs> uh, and are taken advantage of to yeah assault the mainland yeah the um, the helicarrier as a concept was a really cool thing from like w- the big reveal of that ship in the avengers is like 
oh my god they're doing it <laughs> oh my god this is real yeah oh my god that thing would like destroy anything if it actually fell yeah and lo and behold we see <laughs> not to mention all the munitions on it oh yeah that 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 is that is a huge problem waiting to happen oh yeah it's just not just destruction wise but just international law and like conventions and like how is that legal <laughs> yeah so um i mean those are the real big things it's, it's just basically the establishment of hydra uh the try the attempt to save bucky and bring him back which kind of do yeah still tentative but he's basically himself again um I do. I did like how they played with Black Widow and Captain America and their dynamic, where you know, it's not really like romantic for once, <laughs> like every other generic movie tends to do. Um, even when it's actually, actually a functional relationship, even when they make out on an escalator, this like they only do it for tactical reasons. Yeah. So that was. I mean, they were kind of playing with it. I think that probably the producers were like, "Well, maybe we can make a relationship here," and then like, "Well, maybe we'll get some flack for it." And you know, they yeah. decided, "Uh, oh, we'll have her have some weird uterus monster conflict <laughs> with the Hulk." Had <laughs> 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 a terrible conversation. Oh that no! Was so cringeworthy. Oh no! <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, Winter Soldier, really great movie. Um, one of the best in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think, to date. Um, still don't care about the generic white guy villain people, uh, even if they are kind of a big Nazi organization, pseudo-Nazi organization. I really just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I did care about Bucky and his role and his role in destabilizing things and causing all the mayhem to begin with. And um, right. the big things that come out of it, um, Hydra and Nick Fury, Yes. Um, his drastically reduced role, to say the <laughs> least, uh, going forward. The, those are the big takeaways from Captain America Winter Soldier. Next up, we have big one, another really great one, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, and uh, the end of 2014 there. Yeah. Again, this is a movie that was about characters that I never gave a flying fuck about <laughs> at all. Not, like most people didn't even know who they were. No, no, not at all. Um, in fact, I had a lot of my friends that weren't like even you know they were comic readers, but they weren't like they didn't dive into it constantly like we do. Right? And they're like, who are these guys? And I'm like, I don't know. There's like a tree. <laughs> there's like a raccoon there's like the, this guy with red eyes i don't know man <laughs> like i don't read those books but um and to yeah. be fair there weren't a lot of good guardians books i went back and read a lot of them trying to like get yourself get that like, kind of get... hype from the movie in there and it, 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 they did not hold up. There are some bad Guardians books. Yeah. Let me tell you what. There, there's some boring-ass books in there. <laughs> yeah. Space Marvel, comics-wise, is very, in a lot of ways, bland. Yeah. It was pretty Which rough. is and hilarious, way, given how way, colorful they should be. Yeah. Way too many dialogue boxes. Way too many. And none of them mattered. <laughs> I just, it, was, it was a tough read. Um, yeah. But the movie... The movie is probably my second favorite Marvel film. 
overall. I love that movie. I love it to death. I love that. I think that's the first movie where they really use non-self-made music for the production. Where, yeah, they, where external music properties are like the at the forefront throughout the entire movie. Um, and there's it becomes more regular later in other movies, but that's the first one I can remember where it really features a lot of external music. Yeah, that was the kind of thing that they had toyed with <laughs> with Iron Man because yeah, what the a- fuck other ACDC theme are you, yeah. Black Sabbath? Yeah. Like what the fuck other theme are you going to come up with this guy that hasn't already been I am Iron Man by Black <laughs> fucking Sabbath. Yep, yep. Um, but they knew exactly what they were doing there, and here they they went full bore with the uh, licensed music for this one. Yeah, and much to their credit is spot on. Yeah, I de- I totally dug it. Um, fantastic movie, great soundtrack, really fun, likable characters. Story as generic as these other ones have been, as far as the villain goes, like I, I the big purple guy, I don't remember. Uh, Ro- Rodin, yeah, Ronan the Ronan. accuser. Yeah. yeah, and he's supposed to have the big powerful hammer, but the hammer doesn't really do shit <laughs> until he puts the stone in it, right? Uh, which they stole from the Nova Corps. Is that right? Yes. Is that how they got it? Um, and the Nova Corps is basically neutered. It's just like a bunch of space cops that. <laughs> aren't particularly great at their job. I'm going to go over here to where we have Richard Ryder. Did, did someone someone making fun of me right now? Did someone really <laughs> actually just come up with a character, Dick Ryder? Hey, man, why are we riding around in star-shaped ships? Because I like the party. <laughs> <laughs> John C. Riley doing exactly what he needs to do in any role <laughs> and that's just be himself <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i love the movie i love the character dynamics i mean it it was really fun and really great um i think the big things that it introduces to the mcu is that it establishes that there is a very big diverse uh outer space universe yeah part of the marvel cinematic universe beyond thanos and his little gremlins and their mothership or whatever um (laughs) and it 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 does it in such a great fun way that i think if they hadn't executed it well would have not only hurt the guardians of the galaxy as a property but probably hurt any kind of interstellar you know stories to be told including thanos oh yeah god imagine if they had fucked that movie up yeah i think that that movie had to be you know a foundational brick in this whole scheme uh, for Infinity War, or else it would have had a very detrimental effect. And they they pulled it off. Like, uh, and not only do they pull it off, they introduce another Infinity Stone. Um, yeah, the the Power Stone. Yeah. So it doesn't get a great fu- great Sega Dreamcast game, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love that game. <laughs> but um, yeah, it intr- introduces some important factors into the universe and also pulls off being a great movie yeah yeah that and one of the other important things is that it introduces not just characters that have to interact with thanos but it introduces uh gamora daughter of thanos yeah a person who has like a major axe to grind for sure with like the overarching mcu baddie who has 
really at this point done nothing but uh, smile and have some quippy shit to say in a in a floaty chair. Mm-hmm. At, doesn't it also uh, introduce the collector for the first time? It does. Who's a very crucial uh, galactic level character, you know? Uh, yes. Who will probably be very important and also has the the Infinity Stone in his possession at the end of the movie, right? Or does it go back to the Nova Corps? He has uh, something, right? Uh, I think the the stone itself actually goes back to the Nova Corps. Um, what he does have, or did have, according to Easter eggs, mm. was... Because he's given yeah. something for safekeeping. I, th- I don't know if it was an after credit scene or not, but I believe oh, it was one he, of the he Infinity Stones. He got the thing from uh, Thor the Dark World. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah. yeah, he does have an Infinity Stone in his possession in his collection. Yeah, he like he has the the Reality Stone, but the, the Nova Corps has the Power Stone now. Yeah, so so now at, up to this point, Tesseract is with S.H.I.E.L.D., more or less, right? Or does uh, it actually, go? Actually, the, the Tesseract go. was used to take a Loki and Thor back to Asgard. So they have it on Asgard in the vault at right. this point. Um, there's the uh, staff. The staff, which is held by, I believe, Tony Stark at this point. Like, it's part of a S.H.I.E.L.D.'s thing, but S.H.I.E.L.D. got disbanded, so yeah. he's got it now. Yeah. Um, then obviously the the red stone is with the collector, yeah. And then the purple power stone is with Novacore, right? At this point in the universe, that leads into Avengers: Age of Ultron. I hate this movie. <laughs> I, I hate I hate this movie so much. It sucks. It sucks hardcore. I I don't know if I hate it more than Iron Man three, but I definitely hate it a lot. Um, this movie. It has the Batman versus Superman problem where they just shove so much shit into it that's not explained. And it also has a separate problem with having kind of a shitty take on Ultron. Um, oh, yeah. And it sucks because they got such a great voice actor to play him. <laughs> but how they used him was just shitty and lame and not it, very interesting. It wasn't just shitty and lame. It was like... Oh, you know the the cornerstone of this entire like cinematic universe? Yeah. We're going to make one of our villains sound just like that. <laughs> yeah. And this is is this not the first movie that we see Tony like resume full action like nothing yeah. ever happened at the end of Iron Man 3? This is the first movie without explanation whatsoever in, in, and Pepper Potts is just no one not around. Sa- no one says a damn thing about it. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um we get a lot of really awkward scenes in this movie. We have the whole like damsel in distress archetype with Black Widow and Ultron. Yeah. Um, we had the really, really cringeworthy scene where they try to force the romance between Black Widow and Hulk that I think oh. still to this day does not work at all. Uh, not even a little it's bit. It's just a plot device to help him calm himself and I think not a very good one and really reduces the character of Black Widow overall and is detrimental to her character as well as his. Yeah. Um, I We'd... think they actually might have reduced her character in that movie because I believe at the time she was pregnant, which is 
Hilarious. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> she has a fucked up womb. Uh, <laughs> in the fucking movie, yes. I'm a monster. What the hell were we thinking with this one? I was made into a monster because I can't have babies. Uh, I, I shut up. I, I know. Come on. I know what we were thinking. He we turns were, into a giant green monster that kills everyone. I got a giant green actual monster. <laughs> <laughs> not some. Not the up, same. Yeah. Not some made up idea that you have based on preconceived social norms for women. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it was so awkward and bad. Ultron was boring. There was a ton of scenes that didn't make any sense whatsoever. Like the whole Thor going to have his visions for no reason whatsoever. Not explained whatsoever. Which I'm guessing it was cut out of the film. And then they're like, but we kind of need him to create visions. So I guess we got to leave the stupid like fucking bath cave scene. Uh, we have to have him not only create a vision, but go off and have a vision so that when he finally <laughs> meets vision, he can call the vision vision. Uh, <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Um, uh, do you get it yet? Uh, it, yeah, it was rough. Um, Beat me over the head with fucking Mjolnir with I this I wish plot. there was nothing to take away from this film, but unfortunately it's very crucial to a lot of things going forward. As much as I hated it. You know why I hate this film? Quicksilver. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, and ironically, it's at the same time as X-Men is creating an awesome Quicksilver <laughs> uh, right next door. Um, but yeah, there's so many loose threads, again, that either aren't touched and just kind of assume never happened or there are just like things that just randomly happen because we need this to occur later uh, like right it just it's such it's bad writing all around it's bad production it's r- really terrible dialogue it was it rushed was, this was a movie that one should have waited until scarlett johansson had the baby <laughs> two should have waited until they actually got a script that one showed respect to all of the characters, and two actually killed the right one. If you wanted to kill any of them, yeah. But no, we need our uh, romantic interest for the robot, <laughs> and we need to maintain that uh, the everyman, and by everyman I mean the circus performer yeah. that is somehow an Avenger, uh, is still on the team, so that people can relate to one of them. So stupid. <laughs> so dumb. Um, good takeaways from it. I, Even though I hated how he was founded, I did like Vision himself. I yeah. thought one of the coolest... Vision was great. Probably the coolest moment in the film for me is when he floats forward and he's just like taking everything in, you know, as a brand new life form. Uh, I love that he has Jarvis's voice, and <laughs> I love that he picks up Thor's hammer and is like, oh, all right. <laughs> um, that was awesome to me. I love that. Um, yeah, I don't. Oh. I don't know if in comic history, if the the Infinity Stone, the Soul Stone, was always in him, but I do like that. That's how they played him into the creation. It's not the Soul Stone. Even though it should totally be the soul stone, that's not the soul stone. Which one is it? That's the mind stone. Go fuck yourselves. (laughs) You brought a robot to life. (laughs) How is that not the soul stone? (laughs) All right, whatever. 
Whatever. This is why I hate this movie. This movie's terrible. Um, so yeah, uh, the soul stone that he, not soul stone, the mind stone that he uses to make a head laser because reasons, and he can go through stuff. Yeah, for be- reasons because he's a dude, Kitty Pride. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but. Overall, the things that are important, um, Scarlet Witch is now part of the team. Her brother is dead and didn't ever really matter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hawkeye came back. You see that Hawkeye has a full family and stuff in hiding uh, that he, he claims he's going back to, but totally doesn't. Yeah. Um, so, yes, um, no oh. new stones, but a stone is relocated into the head of a robot of Tony Stark's making. And well, technically Tony and the Hulk's making, um, right? Bruce Banner's making, but um, and totally not Ant Man. <laughs> at the end of the movie, I'm still think mad about that. We Thor sends himself home, right? Uh, yep, t- says he's got to go home and stop Ragnarok, which he had through his puddle vision. Apparently, I don't know. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Uh, Hulk sends himself off into space. Is that not correct? He goes off in an airship. Airship. <laughs> it's a plane. God damn. <laughs> he flies off in a plane and somehow I, ends up on another planet. I, I just want to know, like, what kind of asshole thought that it was a good idea to say, yeah, he's f- flying in the ship somewhere. Does that thing go into space? No. Are you going to have him go to another planet? Yes. How? Devil's anus. Devil's anus. <laughs> Literally. The devil's anus. Yeah, it's real dumb. It's real it's dumb. It's terrible writing all around and just real dumb. Uh, oh. Uh, that vibranium is... and Wakanda being mentioned. Uh, those first happen in Avengers Age of Ultron. Really? Well, yeah. I don't remember uh, it. Uh, Andy Serkis shows up as Ulysses Claw and actually has his hand removed by the totally not Tony Stark bot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't know. It's been I don't want to watch that movie again. <laughs> so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but if that's true, that's cool. Yeah. Um, God, I can't believe that the effects of Age of Ultron went that far out. So basically, we've created a new form of distrust between Captain America and Tony because of his tinkering, causing a city to almost be destroyed and a bunch of people to be murdered by a sentient robot. Uh, Yeah. There's some new members to the team, but the team's kind of- Falcon, who we didn't mention showing up in Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah, we forgot. Falcon is just- his running buddy that gets a jetpack <laughs> <laughs> for reasons, and he uh, joins on the team. your left. Oh, also secretly, I'm a part of a jetpack squad. <laughs> There's a reason we didn't mention him. <laughs> the real, we just, like he's literally just there he, because he's fun. He's yeah, he doesn't matter to the story whatsoever. <laughs> but Falcon's there now. Forgot about that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, anything else we missed from this movie? Ah, uh, from that one? No, I think we covered it. Okay. As much as it deserves. <laughs> uh, next up, we have the final movie in the phase two. Uh, we have Ant-Man at the end of 2015. Ant-Man, yet again, 
Another character I totally didn't give a fuck about, <laughs> but because of this movie, I gave a fuck about. Um, yeah. And I think Paul Rudd was the perfect choice. <laughs> Paul Rudd is so good in this movie. He is the perfect choice for Ant-Man. I love him. It, yeah. Yeah. It was like I, it's easy to pigeonhole him because of the role that he played in uh what the hell was that movie? Anchorman? No, that's not to say this movie isn't with its problems. Um, it has plenty. I think uh, Hank Pym's introduction is fun, but I don't think he was played very well. Um, I think in my they opinion. In- I think they introduced him too late into the series. Yeah. Um, again, the the enemy is generic corporate white dude. <laughs> Not once just, again, not just generic corporate white dude. Once again, but generic corporate white dude who also has powers similar to the hero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's the Iron Man problem all over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think there's too many big takeaways in this movie. Um, you're introduced to Ant Man as a character, and you know that he is functionally in the world. Um, you introduced to the Wasp outfit. You know yeah. that it. You know that it exists after the credits, uh, and it's most likely going to be worn by Hank Pym's daughter uh, and Paul Rudd's love interest now. Yeah. Um, uh, um. So yeah, any other real big takeaways from the Ant Man movie? I mean, he goes subatomic, so we know he can, but we know he can't really remember if he does. Uh. Yeah, no. Uh, apart from size mattering in this movie, yeah, no. Yeah, that's about it. All right, and then we go into the final phase leading up to Infinity War, phase three, starting with Captain America Civil War in 2016. Ooh. So this one, I like, but there's some plot holes and there's some there's some things that weren't necessary to progress the point and it's i feel like it's out of all of the movies it's the biggest fan service movie out of them all i'm gonna go on record to say that this movie was almost marvel's batman v superman wow you think so almost uh, i think it was a lot better <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a, a lot better but it ran the risk based on what this movie tried to do, which is uh, to, in a very overly complicated plot, take another boring, regular white guy who comes up with an overly complicated plot (laughs) in order to pit these two heroes against each other only so that he can, in the end, reveal this thing that is ultimately supposed to be the the death or the end of them which i don't understand why would he care <laughs> why should this guy ever care uh th- th- i'll tell you why he cares because for some reason we can't make a story nowadays that doesn't tie into avengers age of ultron so the bad. the reason he cares is because his family died in that fucking blown up meteor city thing. That's a lot of effort to go through just to show your buddy. <laughs> oh, look, you, you, your buddy killed my parents, you <laughs> jerk. <laughs> Gotta fight you now, you dirty 
fake American. It's an overly complicated plot. Yeah, it's overly complicated, and you have to take a lot of logical leaps to uh, accept it, which I did, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. The movie does let you do that a lot. But so, uh, the, the, the entire crux of this movie hangs on the bromance or romance from a certain point of view that Batman v Superman didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. That Justice League the, tried uh, to, to be, shoehorn. To be fair, <laughs> Civil War had two whole phases of movies to build that relationship. BBS, no. no. <laughs> and one movie to build a character that did not stay that character. No. It, it, no. <laughs> we gotta stop bringing it up. <laughs> um, I yeah, I don't not like him. <laughs> yeah. So the the overall arc here is that you know Captain America is trying to protect Bucky by following him, tracking him, while Bucky's trying to remain hidden and feels guilty about his past and doesn't want to hurt anybody or be activated again because there's the message that can control him or whatever he has a um, list of trigger words that if someone reads them in the right order he gets turned into a russian murder machine <laughs> yeah um so uh, it's fun it's thrilling visually it's very appealing um again i think you gotta just kind of put common sense and logic and just put it in the back seat for this movie but um it's a fun movie to watch um the big payoff is obviously the airport scene where you get some dynamics um, where both of them have formed teams. Tony thinks everybody should go public. Captain America says, no, uh, we need our privacy or whatever. Um, and it basically boils down to one team's sidekicks versus another team's sidekicks. Uh, <laughs> and also Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, this is our first appearance of Tom Holland's Spider-Man. That yeah. we almost didn't get. <laughs> yeah. Which is... Ooh. So, we we get our introduction to Spider-Man in this universe, which is very important because that, that was they end up making the best movie. Uh, <laughs> that was monumental in ways that could not have been foreseen. Yeah. Which is just indicative to me that, yes, Spider-Man and X-Men are the only characters <laughs> that actually matter in this fucking universe. <laughs> because of all the movies, we took the sidekick Spider-Man and made the best movie out of all of the Marvel movies, in my humble opinion. But and, yeah. Now, yeah, that just goes to show that not only does... Spider-Man belong in the MCU and should never leave. Um, but we've, <laughs> we've been getting a, a series of movies that have been pretty good, sometimes pretty bad, but, you know, like none of them have been, like, terrible movies. Yeah. They're all, like, entertaining on some level or, or another. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but Marvel managed to do this what with what was once considered the B team of the Marvel universe. <laughs> like there was a time when no one gave a shit about the Avengers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um so yeah, this movie uh it it adds some kind of grief between uh Tony and Captain America and their respective teams. Um 
you see the kind of conflict with Black Widow because of her former alliances with Captain America, but in this case, she teams up with Tony. Yeah. Um, which is seen as kind of a betrayal of trust, I guess. Um, the big players, Hulk and Thor, aren't there, which is ironic because if they were there, it'd probably end things pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. Um, we get Ant Man established as a known character to the Avengers beyond just robbing them. Uh, <laughs> uh, overall, the things that matter. Uh, there's new grief. There's a f- handful of new characters in in the teams. Um, there is a divide. Captain America is now rogue because uh, the government wants everybody reported. You know, he's not rogue. He's Rogue's- nomad. <laughs> rogue is in another universe. Yeah, the good one. I'm just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding. It's questionable. <laughs> it's questionable, but soon it will be ours. <laughs> <laughs> Your bases all belong to us said disney <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i don't think there's any real big developments beyond that right uh the 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 raft or the uh basically the supermax prison for supervillains which hilariously only had heroes in it ever yep <laughs> uh funny that, that. that that's established black panther Black Panther is oh, established yes. in this Very movie. Important. Black Panther shows up for the yeah. first time, and we see Black Panther, and we see his father get killed. That's not there yet. But yeah, we see Black Panther. Suit looks cool. Character motivations matter, but like are kind of just waved off for the more popular characters later. Yeah. He just kind of stands outside while they fight it out. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> not a whole lot to matter there. Um, he comes in as, in at the end of that whole movie, he is the one who's oddly the most level-headed, sitting next to the person who Murdered killed his, his dad yeah. <laughs> in front of yeah. the entire world. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, nah, I'm the good one. Uh, <laughs> again, logic backseat. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So we get wow. Black Panther uh, introduced along with Spider-Man. Um, Ant-Man gets his own established role in the team. Um, and those are the big things, really. Yeah. Um, can't think of anything else really important. Nothing of note. Okay, on to the next one. Uh, this one, another big one that I really enjoyed and previously did not give a shit about the character. Uh, Doctor Strange, 2016. Ooh. I think of all the movies, Doctor Strange is the most visually appealing for sure. And Especially I- if you're on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't do drugs. <laughs> I love the whole like uh, Inception scenes where they're running upside down in the cities it and the like walls are closing in. and Bending the world yeah. around them. Yeah, that was... They got all the fractal stuff when he's doing the magic and going through the portals and everything. Visually, is like covered in eye candy yeah. from like top to fucking bottom. Yeah. Um, I love the movie. I think it's probably in the top five for me i i love benedict cumberbatch as much as i make fun of his name being Um, a dick and a cucumber patch primarily because (laughs) i love him on sherlock but um (laughs) i yeah i thought like even the support characters were pretty good i 
didn't like the choice of making the well the ancient one is that what she's called i can't remember yes the ancient one uh i didn't like the choice of making the ancient one this like (laughs) albino white woman (laughs) uh when the ancient one is a celtic priestess yeah that was never the ancient one in the comics this was i think the one point in which they should have actually taken the risk yeah. and cast an Asian person. Like, I I get that, you know, it, it's a, yeah, playing into, like, a stereotype of, like, mystical Chinese people, yeah. um, you know, and but we've mystics got- and stuff. But, like, I don't think that one was particularly necessary. And instead of, like, introducing a very powerful Asian character. The Asian character is just a throwaway sidekick. Uh, uh, the Asian character that we have in this movie is Wong. Wong, to date, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is the only Asian person of note. Yeah. He's the only one. There, I mean, there's, the, there's Spider-Man's friend, who I think might be Polynesian, uh, but not sure. Um, okay, Polynesian American. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this is we have. Uh, his name's Wong, right? The yes. Side the sidekick. So we got Wong, who's who's in the comics. You know, his basic partner sidekick type uh, dude who keeps him in line when he tries to stray a little too far into the crazy. Hilariously, his first name is also Benedict. Really? Yeah. No kidding? Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Two dudes being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Um, but yeah, I liked I liked Wong's character, but he didn't get a whole lot to do until towards the end of the movie-ish. Um, I did like the villain before the big bad, which is Dormammu. Yeah. Um, I don't know who the main villain's name is, but I, I like the guy who plays him. He's the guy from Hannibal, the oh, TV uh, show. Oh, c- Kaecilius is the name of the character. Yeah. The Mads Mickelson. Yeah. I liked his character, and I thought if they had stuck with him being the main villain for the whole film, it would be a lot better uh, in the that third act there. Oh, but yeah. I, the th- I, I love, again, Marvel problems. Yeah. I love the first two acts of the movie, but that third act is just like, why is Dormammu probably the most visually cool villains you have left outside of the X-Men and Spider-Man. And you get rid of him in the weakest way imaginable. Well, they made him a big purple blob, like the thing from Green Lantern. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's just a big purple blob, and like you said, they get rid of him in the most pathetic way possible. With with, a gif. With a gif. (laughs) They make Doctor Strange into a gif, which, as... Like, kind of silly as it is, I did appreciate the like, act. I did it, like that that's the solution he came up with because he it, knew we couldn't actually beat him. He could yeah. just annoy him enough <laughs> to make him agree to his terms. Um, yeah. I love that because Dormammu is this, like, incredibly powerful being. Yeah. But I don't like that they watered him down to a big purple blob, and that's that's Dormammu. He, he, uh, that was the big payoff. That was a little disappointing. This is our one chance to introduce one of the biggest big bads in all of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And we didn't even get a fucking head on fire. Nothing. God. So... 
damn it. That was extremely disappointing to me, but I did like pretty much the rest of the movie. I, I and I even the solution I was more than fine with. I liked that because it played to his character. His his solution was to annoy him until he gave in. Right. <laughs> and uh, th- this was, I think, uh, one of the cases in which uh, the concept of time as a, a thing that he was like deeply uh, interested in one giving to people because he's a surgeon but uh two using that as a weapon towards like the biggest bad he's ever had yeah it was like having that as like an underlying theme throughout the thing was a very very cool way to basically like necessitate the presence of another infinity stones presence (laughs) yeah um, so uh, this one we established the time stone, right? Yes, um, the Eye of Agamotto. Eye of Agamotto. <laughs> um, which is a, a cool way to introduce it, and we also have an official introduction of the world of magic. Yes, to, to the DC universe, uh, or excuse me, Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. Please, not the DC universe. We don't even know more. Just stop. Just stop. We can Sh- make reboot. Sh- Shazam. I'm sorry. No, don't do it to me. I'm sorry. I misspoke. <laughs> but we have the introduction for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We have the introduction of another Infinity Stone. We have Doctor Strange established as a character and a force of reckoning in this world, more or less as a protector of this world from magical forces. Yeah. And he more or less takes on the role of the Ancient One. Um, Pretty much, yeah. Which is weird because he's the newest one <laughs> and they're all like oh yeah yeah all right cool go ahead like yeah <laughs> like no one had any issues with this like the new recruit he's there's the one. all these people that have been around for a lot longer like wong <laughs> but we're just gonna let the new guy go ahead and wong. take over <laughs> <laughs> okay if you if you say so fuck it i'm sure it's fine uh. he's got the cape yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed the movie overall. And um, yeah, that's all the impact from the movie that I can think of. Yeah. Uh, next up, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, 2017. Now we're starting to get in the more recent ones. Um, a lot of the ones we did reviews for last year. I hate this movie. <laughs> I, I hate Do you hate it as much as Thor Ragnarok? <laughs> I mean, this one has Kurt Russell, but Jeff Goldblum's in the other one, and the, <laughs> those are the two maybe only redeeming things about each movie. <laughs> um, I don't know which one I like a little more <laughs> to redeem it a little more. Oh, but it, it, I, both of them. I think overuse I, I think, a song. I think I hate Guardians more than Thor Ragnarok, or because the music's worse than Thor Ragnarok. And when I say music, I mean one song. (laughs) (laughs) Immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. Um, Which is better than all of the music put together in Guardians 2. Which is disappointing because the advertising had an awesome song. That was never used used. in the fucking movie. Never used. I was lied to. This is why I hate that movie. It lied to me with their music. So basically the, the, the story of Guardians Volume 2... Um, they're on an adventure. Uh, they steal from the golden ones. They steal some batteries, get in trouble. 
through shenanigans, uh, end up meeting his or crash landing on this forest planet thing, um, right? And they go. They each decide to go on their own side quest. Um, Rocket and his whatever's hangs out with him um, decide that they're going to stay with the ship, and a handful of other characters go with Star Lord to go find his dad right because i I don't remember how his dad is introduced but uh okay his dad is introduced because he's for some reason at this point in the movie he's standing out in space on top of a ship no assisted suit or anything at all it was like out in like the vacuum of space not only is he fine you can hear him. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. <laughs> uh, but oh, this movie's bad. The, they find him because they're running away from the, the gold people. Yeah. Who are only the, chasing after them. The with, Sovereign? Is that what they're called? Yeah, the Sovereign. Sovereign. Who are um, chasing after them with uh, remote-controlled uh, death machines. Yeah, uh, space drones. Yeah. Uh, golden space drones. Yeah. <sighs> Powered by Pac-Man. Because they love gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, uh, basically two completely separate side stories develop. One is where uh, Star-Lord is trying to get to know his father. Basically finds out he's evil. He's the sinister asshole that's trying to basically plant his seed everywhere and create a universe of him. Uh, because he's basically the embodiment of a planet. Um He's a, one of the original celestial beings, and um, he, <laughs> Star Lord, also benefits by this by having some kind of godlike powers that his dad shows to him a little bit, um, and it's revealed that he's had children all over, and most of them are dead because he kills them uh, when they don't do what he wants. Um, and then on the other side, we have Rocket Raccoon, uh, hanging out with, uh, his blue dad. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> yeah. Yan, Yanda, Yan, Yandu. Yandu. It's, it's not you. even, well, he's hanging out with, uh, Peter Quill's blue dad. Yeah. Yeah. The Yandu, Yandu is Rocket and Rocket is Yandu. And I get that that's where they're going with, but I don't think they needed to have an entire side quest where Rocket was not involved with the main plot at all. Uh, really didn't. So, and I, I also didn't like that Baby Groot was a baby the entire time, because besides like one like humor plot point where he's trying to understand him in the jail cell, he doesn't do hardly anything really. Um, Meaning. Yeah, I think the the crux of that entire character arc, which you can't even really call it that for Groot, because like he's he's a baby, the entire time he's yeah. a baby. They are running into battle with a space god yeah. with a baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, big. 
it's just so convoluted. It has the Star Wars Less Jedi problem to a much lesser extent where just people are going on random side quests for no real reason. There's no real plot development. The characters are very like one note in this one, whereas the first one they were they had so much character development and interaction. Like this one, this one's like, we know we're funny and we're gonna force you to remember by forcing all of these terrible jokes and winking at the audience moments down that, your throat. That wasn't um, even the worst part of it. The worst part was when the movie was actually laughing at its own jokes. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad um, in, in certain parts of it, which is very disappointing because I love the first one so much. Right. Um, and I think that's why I kind of gripe on it more than all of the others because this is the because one that hurt misstep. me personally. Yeah, this misstep uh, hurts worse because you expected more. Yeah. Um, big takeaways. The big planet's dead. Star-Lord doesn't have his powers anymore because they killed the flame thing. Uh, from the god power or whatever. I don't. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Yandu's dead. Um, and ironically, I think this is the one movie where I think people gave it good ratings and gave it way too much hype because it defeated the Marvel problem but introduced new problems. Where it, the third act was good, but everything leading up to it was awful. <laughs> Uh, but because the third act was so fun and had such a heartwarming moment at the end, you kind of forgave it and forgot, which I think is not a good thing. Um, but that's just me. And I think I, I think movies like Star Wars, are, it's another one that's emblematic of that. I think the people that like it like it because they like the last like 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> not because the rest of the movie was any good. <laughs> but that's just that's just my opinion. Um, uh, yeah. But uh, uh, oh, we also see the Ravagers together. Right. That, that's a big introduction. Uh, the Ravagers who historically were the they consist of in the comic books what were the original Guardians. Which actually included Yondu. As it does in the movie. Yeah. Um, they actually reference they, him they being him one nice, of them. Nice little tribute at the end. Yeah. Which um, was really fucking cool. Yeah. So, um, I hate this movie. Not, not because it's as terrible as I probably perceive it to be, but because it was just such a disappointment for me. That's why he's there. So, yeah. Disappointment overall. Um, we're introduced to Adam Warlock, right? Right. At the end of this movie, we see the big case or whatever that's held by the Sovereign that supposedly contains Adam Warlock. This is the thing that I don't understand why people are so confused about where the fucking Soul Stone is. In the comics, the Soul Stone was Adam Warlock's entire shtick. <laughs> Everyone, for some reason on the internet, is still wondering like where the Soul Stone is. Guys. Guys, it's right there. <laughs> it's been there this whole fucking time. Yeah. How did you guys miss this? <laughs> Pretty obvious there, but hey. Um, He's introduced, and we'll probably see him, but I'm guessing we're not going to see him until Infinity War Part 2, if I had to guess. Or at the very I'm least, assuming like, I would say like end credits yeah. of Infinity we War Part 1. We still don't even know the title 
for Infinity War Part Two. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm gonna make a guess. Team Gains make... versus Team Brains. <laughs> I'm gonna make a guess right now. I, I'm going to assume that it's either going to be called Avengers Secret Wars <laughs> or Avengers Infinity's End. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. That's what I want to see. You damn right. So next up, this is the nice, lovely cream filling in between the shit sandwich we were dealt with Guardians and Thor Ragnarok. This one was so good. Again, I'm probably being a little too harsh, but I have some serious gripes against those two movies. This movie, however, is probably my favorite, if not my favorite, in the Marvel Universe, and I think you're probably on the same page uh i would say it's either my favorite or it's tied for my favorite it's definitely got number one spider-man homecoming came out the miracle happened with the deal with sony and we got our spider-man movie now i i have to give everybody caveat when i saw this movie my expectations were rock bottom because of what, how disappointed I was with Guardians. Yeah. And the hype machine behind Guardians had led me to believe that it was just as good, if not better. And people were saying, it's better than like all the other movies. And I was sorely disappointed. And this movie was getting the same type of hype. And I was just not buying any of it. And I went into this movie with rock bottom expectations. And I was blown away by how much I loved this movie and not only did i love tom holland as spider-man and his his side characters and stuff but i loved the villain just something none none of the marvel movies up to this point had achieved in the marvel cinematic universe for me i love the villain in this movie i (laughs) and it's a villain i should never give a shit about this is why those studios secured the rights to things like Spider-Man and X-Men and the Fantastic Four. That's where all the good villains are. And it wasn't even the best villain. <laughs> it was Vulture. They got Vulture. Uh, but what they, they ma- did with Vulture was fucking brilliant. Now, mind you, we got, and the Shocker. Don't don't forget the Shocker. You mean okay. both of both of the Shockers, <laughs> who for some reason share a gauntlet. <laughs> Yeah, did, and did only one gauntlet. Yeah, only only one. Don't even get me started on that bullshit. He needs this big yellow fishnet suit. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> um, the biggest gripe that I had with that movie was the shocker. And that was a minor gripe. Very minor. The rest there, of the movie. There are incredible moments in this movie. Oh, incredible like character moments like moments that gave me goosebumps there is a scene in here that gets (gasps) really dark (laughs) like i mean like holy shit like this is the darkest we've ever gotten in a marvel movie this is making me incredibly uncomfortable this is like me like hearing babies being murdered like this is that's how dark this feels to me because this guy is just a kid and something very horrible is happening to him and yeah this is like listening to a story about someone having served in vietnam bad yeah it's dark it it is awful (laughs) and i don't mean awful and like uh a bad quality 
it was awful and that it was heart-wrenching. Like, it tore your soul to shreds <laughs> as you were hearing Tom Holland in the scene where the oh, ru- yeah. basically Vulture has tricked him, trapped him, and blown the building above him, basically crushing him under this rubble. And he is just pinned and trapped and screaming out for help and just, you know, crying and just, he has... This is the golden moment, the golden opportunity where you actually get to appropriately manipulate the the heartstrings of the audience. When you help them remember Spider-Man right now is a teenager. Yeah, and, and it every, hits hard. Everyone it's hard. Yeah, everyone listening to that moment immediately has a maternal or a paternal instinct to say, somebody help him! Instantly, yeah. <laughs> it hits you like a freight train, man. Like, I did not expect to be hit that hard. And the- I was so... Un- <laughs> I was so uncomfortable. I was I'm tearing, tearing up. up. Oh, yeah, my God. <laughs> I'm tearing up thinking about it. <laughs> like, it hit me so hard. And then there's others. That's not even the only scene that had, like, that level of impact. There- and Michael Michael Keaton, again, assuming an avian costume... <laughs> Um, full circle. He, <laughs> I just love everything they did. I loved how they humanized him. <laughs> I thought it was great. Like uh, Michael Keaton is so creepy, but also human. And yeah, he, even with all the stuff that he goes through and does in this movie, the the end credit scene establishes that yes, he's human. Like he may have done some villainous things for his own incentives and maybe got carried away, but he's human and he. <laughs> He protects Spider-Man. He protects Tom Holland because, again, he knows he's just a kid. He knows what effect it could have on his daughter. And he, he, he's also appreciative that Spider-Man, through all of this, still saved his life Yeah, um, in the end there. And I just loved everything. I thought the writing was great. I thought the dialogue was great. I loved the banter between Tony Stark and Tom Holland. And I'm... I'm the surrogate Uncle Ben in this case. Yeah, I'm incredibly uh, grateful to whoever wrote this movie for not shoehorning Tony into every scene and everything. Tony was there when he needed to be there and nothing more. Yeah. He was there for what he was needed for, and that was perfect. It was wonderful. It wasn't a Tony Stark movie featuring Spider-Man. I mean, if you want to hear our full talk about this, <laughs> we have a Spider-Man review on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Where we could go on all night because we love this movie. Yeah, what, it was what, so well done. What was important for the Marvel Universe? I mean, they established that there's probably going to be a kind of Secret Six thing in some kind of future. They established yeah. that the character Scorpion exists. Um, uh, Scorpion, Shocker, Vulture, yeah. uh, some kind of Tinkerer character. Um Apart from that, I don't think that there's much else in the way of connective tissue. We know that Iron Man has built this special suit, the Iron Spider suit. Right. Um, That's a big thing. Pepper Potts is back, but who who the fuck cares? Yeah. Um, (laughs) And Tony Stark loves the kid. That's that's about the most important things from that movie. It's... uh, Closest he can get to having a son. Yeah. Um, and I hope he doesn't have kids with Pepper Potts because <laughs> I don't like Gwyneth Paltrow. So. <laughs> oh. 
Um, yeah, because he really needs children who are just as douchey as he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, he already has that. His name's Jarvis. Oh! Ooh. <laughs> uh, next up, we have the bottom of the shit sandwich. <laughs> we have 2017's Thor Ragnarok. Um, again, I think Complete I'm... Complete with devil's anus. This is the movie that went full Disney dumb on me, and I did not like it one bit. I there were I don't get me wrong, like all the Marvel movies, the floor is very high. So like even in my disappointment, I was still entertained in a handful of scenes, mostly because of Jeff Goldblum. Um, <laughs> and um and and in parts of the end, um I thought Hello was cool, but I thought there was no explanation like criminally underused. Uh, Add her to the list. Like like all the potentially great Marvel villains. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought Hela was really cool and intimidating, but her explanation for showing up made no sense. The explanation for the dad passing, I think, uh, made no sense. Um, there was plot holes everywhere. Um, I did like the, the how Loki had kind of taken over and gotten Matt Damon to play <laughs> him and like all those little things that you would expect from Loki. Oh, yeah, um, they snuck in another Hemsworth. But yeah, but um, yeah, Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a lot of like entertaining moments in the movie, like momentary entertainment that almost made you forget the the terrible plot holes and the fact that the whole movie is a side quest, uh, <laughs> much like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Uh, everything that happens in the middle of the movie is a completely different movie from the outer edges of the movie, the beginning and the end. Uh, Hello's Hello's uh, arrival is never explained in a good way. Uh, at the end, they basically just throw everything about Asgard out the window and say, oh, it's just the people. And I'm like, since when? This place gives you fucking mystical powers that no other place does i i feel like you're full of shit (laughs) asgard isn't a place it's a people oh hey there's hella (laughs) (laughs) oh hey there's surter you know the guy who destroyed asgard wait a minute (laughs) yeah yeah i think i think there's some issues there Ooh, Um, i have so many fucking issues with this movie I, i think this movie like guardians of the galaxy volume 2 was so in love with itself and it showed um they try to mush like planet hulk in with thor ragnarok and it just didn't work i was Um, so pissed i i hated like how every single little thing had to be a really terrible wink at the audience joke um and really forced it had been a long time since i had laughed like that constantly throughout the movie but still ended up realizing that this movie was awful. Yeah, I was laughing because I hated things about the movie. I was <laughs> laughing because jokes were so awful that it was it went full circle and became funny to me. It was comical um, how bad it and was. And again, this is another one of those movies that were just hyped to the moon and just did not deliver for me. And it, it should have been two completely different movies, not integrating whatsoever. Right. Um, we should have seen Hela, you know, have an explanation for why she chose this particular time to show up um, and why Odin decides to die on Earth, of all places. And to maybe have Ragnarok feel like, you know, Ragnarok? Yeah. And not like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, so they're all like, uh, no, we... 
we can rebuild. It's 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 fine. They just destroyed the buildings and whatnot, and then <laughs> <laughs> never mind. <laughs> oh no, there it goes. <laughs> because Taika Waititi <laughs> can't help but be silly about it. <laughs> And nothing against him as a director. I'm sure he has lots of other great projects out there. I just... <sighs> Ragnarok should have been the one thing. That, like, this was this should have been the darkest story. So, you know what? I have thought of one thing, though. What probably would have been a good idea is to make sure that one of the Infinity Stones stays on Asgard. I don't think Thanos wants none of that. Yeah, someone took one. Guess who that someone was? Loki. Loki. (laughs) 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 All right, so big things that matter from Thor Ragnarok. Uh, A, another wasted villain. Another wasted villain. Uh, Without explanation, Odin is no longer in the picture to make a difference. Um, not that he ever did in this universe, but you know, in the it, comics, he's more of a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, in this case, we just have Thor, who's kind of taking his place, especially now that he also only has one eye. Yeah. Um. The Asgardians are now space-faring people <laughs> on because an arc of sorts. That that was a thing for them, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, they have an infinity stone. Thor has Raiden powers now. Right. Because the hammer didn't matter. It was all inside him all along. <laughs> and um, the power was inside him all along. Mjolnir. Until he gets another hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Mjolnir does not exist anymore. At least for now. Um, Hella sure broke we'll, it. I'm sure we'll see it again. Uh, again, without explanation. Why does she break it? How does she break it? Why is she the only person able to break it? What's going on here? Right. So much. <laughs> it's just like, from out of nowhere. Hella. Don't think about the logic. <laughs> Sweet chords. <laughs> Led Zeppelin. Like, oh. I know the plot holes. They're simply terrible. (laughs) You're going to laugh at all this anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The end of the movie, we see the big ship show up in front of the Asgardian ship. Which I assume is Thanos' ship. Everyone assumes it's Thanos' ship. Uh, they're about to get their <laughs> ship pushed in uh, by a big purple man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very deflating. Um, and I'm sure that Thor isn't going to use his Raiden powers for some reason. That's because he'll have another hammer. Unexplained. Yeah. Um, which would easily solve all of his problems. If he just used the freaking raid powers. <sighs> that apparently he's probably had this whole time. It's all in your heart. <laughs> but yeah, Thor Ragnarok, not a good movie. No. Um, it puts Asgard in a totally new place and gives a reason for Thor to be out in space. 
Right. Uh, so he can hook up with the Guardians of the Galaxy for some reason and do whatever. Because why not? Uh, next up, uh, the last movie on the list, Black Panther, came out this year, February. It did. We saw it. We reviewed it. Be sure to check that out if you so choose. It's on our YouTube channel. Um, I'm hesitant to get into spoiler territory because I know there's a handful of people that do like wait until the DVD comes out. So I'm just going to give you a warning now. We're going to talk about spoilers for this movie, just like all the others. If, yeah. Uh, so spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoiler warning for a recent movie that came out in February. Um, so Black Panther, we both liked it. We thought it was pretty good. Um, to varying degrees, I think. I think there's a handful of thing issues I had, but it's more issues with the character itself from the comics and the things that obviously had to be carried into the movie. Uh, yeah, and the whole re- realistic approach of having a, a trust in this m- single monarch to always <laughs> have the best of intentions, which clearly is demonstrated has not happened throughout the past. Yeah, um, no. But uh, yeah. Uh, besides those small things, the movie was stylistically great. Uh, the main plot is basically there's um, subsidiary groups of Wakanda's secret nation uh, throughout the world. Not that it's a secret nation, but nobody knows the true details of what Wakanda is. They think it's just some, you know, extremely rural, impoverished, you know. Uh, it's, almost backwards like you know tribal culture over this large savannah land you know but in reality they have like extremely advanced technology and devices largely thanks to mystic space metal vibranium and uh, uh, magical panther plant that's from something (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that makes them hallucinate and gives them superpowers uh, if they take it a it, certain way. It doesn't make them hallucinate. It sends them to the spirit world. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> they, they trip. <laughs> it's DMT. Oh, and my a, God. And a purple flower. <laughs> um, which they burn and somehow don't inhale. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh hell! Um, but it, it's uh, revolves around one subsidiary character uh, whose father is killed. Uh, it's later revealed again. Spoilers! Spoilers! You had your chance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's later revealed that um, one of the main antagonist in the film is actually the son of the former king's brother and he is basically an agent of chaos uh throughout the movie he kind of puts on the airs that he's doing this to help liberate oppressed factions of what he calls his brothers and sisters but instead of referring to specifically wakandans in this context he's talking about um the diaspora of diaspora there we go yeah i knew i knew it (laughs) he's talking about the diaspora of black people in general and all around the world um 
And then towards the end of the movie, you find out really it was more just sowing chaos and getting revenge for his father because the former king had killed his father for trying to lead that sort of revolution in this context in Oakland in, I think, the 90s, right? It was, uh, 1992. 90s, early 90s. Um, so um, overall, the plot's a it's on the borderline of silly. Um and you have to make a lot of leaping jumps of faith. But again, most of that is because of the comic content itself. The the, right. the foundational material is not very strong, which is why most people don't care about Black Panther outside of this movie. Um, again, see our, our review for some fun facts. Like, for example, the, the comic book predates the Black Panther Party um uh, that like was six months by six months less than a year and uh the founders acknowledged that no the, the the comic had no influence on their naming of the party and uh marvel was so embarrassed uh when the black <sighs> panther party actually <laughs> formed that they renamed the character several times including names like cole tiger oh, to try to separate themselves it hurts from every from, time you say it from the black panther party again the, this character was created by a bunch of older jewish very wealthy white men it, in the yes. heart of manhattan <laughs> yes um yeah so there's there's a lot of stuff in that origin story that oh, maybe not uh, maybe not as great as you want to think. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> but um, true believers. Um, the, the core heart of this movie is very good. Uh, Andy Serkis was great. Uh, Michael B. Jordan was great. Uh, the guy who plays T'Challa was great. Uh, Chadwick uh, Boseman. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. <laughs> It's a great movie, stylistic, like visually. Oh. Visually, it is very great. It's impressive. It's very cool. Uh, I think that this movie also sets a new trend musically, whereas um, previous movies, they had the whole like instrumental score, yeah. or they went out to outside sources and got, you know, like already the, established property. Like music. licensed tracks. Exactly. Yeah. This movie has an outside artist come in to make kind of pop culture, mostly rap music exclusively for this movie. Kendrick Lamar. Hell yeah. <laughs> and the soundtrack is great. Oh, yeah, The soundtrack is probably my favorite part of the movie in general. Um, in addition I, to it being a very heartfelt, fun story with great acting and like just a great visual aesthetics all around, like, there's a lot to like about this movie. Um, a, a lot about it was well-crafted. Mm -hmm. So um, now that we've gotten that all out of the way, basically, um, again, uh, lost son of Wakanda, essentially, comes back, yeah. uh, beats up the king. The king is thought to be dead, falls off the waterfall, whatever. The uh, Wakanda's hillbillies... <laughs> uh, find him downriver and take him up in the mountains. The great they, ape tribe. They play Deliverance and, <laughs> you know, do their thing. Yeah. Uh, dueling banjos up oh. there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um. Threatens to eat a white man. Yeah. <laughs> I actually know. Uh, Threatens to feed a white man to his children. <laughs> 
only to reveal jokingly that he's a vegetarian. Yeah. Or you guys probably know him better as uh, Watson to... Sherlock. Ben- yeah, yeah, Benedict Sh- Sherlock. <laughs> Cumbersnooch. <laughs> um, yeah. But he did a great job, too. Like, across the board, Andy Serkis, uh, the... Uh, what's her name from Walking Dead? Michonne. I don't uh, know. Her. I think it's <laughs> I don't a know her real name. Denai Guerrera? I'll, t- I'll take your word for it. Y- yeah, let's go but with that. She did great. The sister was fun. Um, that one, Letitia Wright. I keep hearing her name more and more often really? because people love her so much. Yeah, she's pretty cool. I, I enjoyed <laughs> her. Um, and her character and her acting, she, she did a great job. Yeah. Um, but basically, Andy Serkis is staged as the primary villain uh, for his part in the assassination of the king and stealing Wakandan technology and metal and selling it off on the black arms market and blah, blah, blah. Then in the end, it ends up just being Michael B. Jordan directing things. And Michael B. Jordan does his thing, takes over uh, the crown, shows you that, yes, this whole like ridiculous ritual royalty <laughs> bloodline system and elitist society might have some fallbacks um, yeah. when things are exploited properly. Uh, and he makes it, basically everything fall apart. And the thing that saves them in the end is the hillbillies, who they thought were formally antagonistic to them, but ended up being good people more or less uh um, yeah good people who just didn't really have a a voice or a say going on which is exactly what hillbillies are <laughs> so <laughs> they're here and in wakanda um but uh basically uh they give uh t'challa the remaining black panther plant because they have to fight without their powers to right. name themselves king or whatever uh, again, very elitist society here. <laughs> you have to be fit, healthy, and you have to be of a royal bloodline. <laughs> Not the best election system. Y- yeah. Uh, um, trial by combat. Yeah. There's a reason we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Not everybody's so benevolent. Uh, eventually, it's going to fail. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, basically, they had the big final battle, and people are like, oh, this movie solved the Iron Man problem. No, it doesn't solve the Iron Man problem at all. You have an, a character wearing the same general, high, highly technological outfit, same powers, fighting him face-to-face in the end. Um, it, yeah. also, also, main goal, trying to sell arms <laughs> internationally, much like the Ant-Man villain, much like all the Iron Man villains. This uh, is in... One aspect, this could be viewed as, what if Iron Man was black? (laughs) But I will give Michael B. Jordan this. He mattered. Yes. His character mattered, and he was portrayed well. and wasn't just some generic corporate overlord type dude that doesn't, in the end, matter at all. This guy mattered. He he matters to the legacy of Wakanda. He matters to to T'Challa's path going forward and his initiatives. And the big thing that matters from this movie, uh, Wakanda opening up to the world and actually contributing and not being so secretive and xenophobic and all that stuff. So um, it might be a bit of a parallel going on there. Did you pick up on it? Uh. It's kind of the United States. <laughs> um, a wise man builds bridges instead of walls. Make Wakanda great again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
yeah, good movie overall. Um, Wakanda is finally open to the world. Whether that means vibranium will be more widely spread, I don't know. Probably not. Um, but the technology benefits that Wakanda has and the wealth that it has will in some way, shape, or form through educational services and health services and whatever else uh, spread throughout the world based on this initiative. In addition to the king also leaving at random times in the night to go fight Boko Haram. <laughs> While but, wearing a, a wildcat. <laughs> oh, he's wearing a wildcat onesie. Yeah. So, um, silliness aside, I don't think beyond that there's any real big contributions to the overall arc now. We know that some factions of Captain America's group are in Wakanda, as we see Winter Soldier at the end there. Yeah, Winter Soldier is revealed to have been restored, apparently, be- because the- they don't have science. They have magic. They're, they, it's they, magic. They are it's weird magic bullshit metal, science magic, metal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> magic wizards. So um, I think we've hit all the movies. Yeah. Um, basically, at this point, Thanos is on his way to do the job himself because his lackeys were in the form of Loki and um, Purple Guy, Rodin, Ronan, Ronan, uh, yeah, whatever, <laughs> uh, generic Purple Guy, and his daughter, um, who has more or less betrayed him and decided to do her own thing um, by becoming a guardian of the galaxy. Well, I should say daughters. Nebula is doing her own thing now. Uh, yeah, that's true. But it looks like the stage is set for him to start hunting for these stones in this next two and a half hour epic that is coming out on Thursday night. So if you think there's anything we missed or anything we should comment on in the future, uh, be sure to comment down below on the YouTube channel. Or send us a tweet at htbvids or on Facebook at forward slash hit the books. Or uh, send us an email at hitthebooksvids at gmail.com where you can hit us up with uh, potential topics for the show or questions you want to ask us or any kind of business or promotional or review stuff uh, that we've gotten in the past. htbvids, <coughs> excuse me, hitthebooksvids at gmail.com. I don't know if I said that right the first time, but. It's there for you. I'll put it on the screen. Um, you can always find this stuff all on our website. We got a contact page. We got a home page that leads to all of to all of these things. So be sure to look for that. Well, folks, that wraps up another mediocre edition of Hit the Books podcast. Mediocre. I want to thank you all for sticking with us. If you like what you hear, be sure to hit like and subscribe down below, and uh, follow us on your podcast services and social networks of choice. Again, we apologize for the the malfunctions on episode thirty. Sorry for the late upload on YouTube, and sorry for the the Stitcher fans out there. Uh, still don't know why the Stitcher did that and cut off, muted basically the second half of the the episode there but we've put some fixes in place and it might take 24 hours 48 hours for the whole rss feed system to upload so uh look out for that if you want to listen to it on stitcher um again if you want to check out our patreon it's patreon.com forward slash hit the books uh if you want to become a contributor to our independent content we'd be very very grateful again no contribution is necessary to enjoy the content. It's all free. It's all out there for you. And we appreciate you nonetheless. 
Um, but if you are able and would like to contribute, it would go a long way towards helping us improve the show and keep the mics on. Uh, this is a passion project, but uh, <laughs> it can be financially draining. And on oh, yeah. that note, big thank you to Will Beasley, our executive producer on the show for uh, this month. Uh, once again, your money has gone a long way towards helping us maintain the show and uh, all the editing software and the website and all that stuff. So thank you very much. And because you contributed on such a generous level, you will receive that volume, uh, which all of you could also receive if you so choose. Um, again, the tiers are on Patreon. Um, be sure to look for those. Our website is htbvids.com. Uh, I think that's everything. Did I miss anything? Be sure to hit the bell to get all of the notifications for our videos on YouTube mm -hmm. uh, so you can stay up to date on everything that we upload. Thank you very much. Uh, again, this has been a really long episode because of the topic, but let's face it, it's been 10 years <laughs> of building up to this point, so it was a lot to cover. Oh, yeah. Um, and remember, the review, our reviews for all of these movies, uh, if we did one yet, uh, are all up on YouTube and on our Stitcher and iTunes, I believe, too. Um, so be sure to check those out if you so choose and want to see what we thought of those movies more in more detail and uh, get more of our honest perspectives on everything here oh yeah um and please let us know if you agree disagree why or why not and if you have any constructive criticisms you want to throw our way or some compliments you want to throw our way we'd happily take them uh so be sure to uh, hit us up on our social media and on our youtube comments and everywhere else i'm your host chris holcomb and i'm emory saunders and thank you once again for watching we will see you next week <laughs>